I do believe we are live. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to another wonderful episode of the Break the Rules live stream, BreakTheRules.tv. You know it. You love it. I am your host, Lev Polyakov, at LevPo on Twitter, and we are here with none other than Uberboyo coming back all the way live, and the wonderful Neil Nasik Informant, and also I believe Amy Therese has just entered the area, so I'm going to get her in this as well. But guys, be sure to smash that subscribe button, smash that like button, and uh, click the bell, all that good stuff. We're just going to go right into it. Uberboyo, you have been a, um, I wouldn't say admirer, you choose the words, you choose however you want to say it, as far as uh, Andrew Tate goes. So I would love to hear a little bit about uh, how you came to the conclusions that you did about this Andrew Tate character that's getting very popular once again in the news. And Neil, I know you got to say a lot about the guy as well, so why don't we just get started here? There's a big problem when it comes to things like the internet, where people get caught up in cycles, get caught up in hype, get caught up in all these type of things. Tate's got a lot of crazy shit going around him. But I think overall, he's definitely a good force. This is, this is undeniable because he stood up there, I think, over the last three years and called out an awful lot of bullshit, an awful lot of nonsense. And he got a huge amount of young lads to get massively on board with that as well become very shall we say dissident or anti-establishment or challenging towards the regime and i think these things were very important and very very useful now what has happened since then let's let's maybe add a little bit more context to this as well he never presented them maybe two or himself two or three years ago as a as a good guy he, he would literally show up and he would be saying to people like i am like i remember he said he had some string of tweets where he was like sin pays money casinos, webcams, stuff like this. He would say all these type of things. And he never was pontificating as some type of angel or something like this. He was always presenting himself in a very, very negative frame. Well, the negative is maybe too strong, but he was trying to be... And so if, you're, if you've been following him for any length of time, and I've, I've known him for years at this point, you can see from a distance what he is. You know, he's, he's presenting himself as like a, a sort of an ancient warrior, an angry, you know, a really forceful type of person and um, that type of thing and he's like all about you could say the will to power something like this and then obviously what happened is he started to get big because he's very very funny he's very very bombastic he's very very he's like perfect for viral meme culture he's just made for that type of stuff so he became huge in the last year and now everybody's got to know him now what has to happen when you become big is you have to change your rhetoric you have to develop a bit of a cleaner image you know this is very similar to the likes of like 50 cent so 50 cent goes and he he murders a lot of people and sells a lot of drugs, does all this illegal stuff. And then he um, becomes famous and then he cleans up and he starts to sell flavored water and stuff like this. Tate went through a sort of similar arc. Now, I'm not saying Tate is a murderer or anything like that, but I'm pointing out that, you know, he might, he definitely had a bit more of a gangster past than a lot of people would like to say. And so he's shown up now and now he's obviously at that arc of his life where he's, um, yeah, kind of on a different level. Things are kind of changing an awful lot. And I just see... Like, I don't, I'm not, I don't even care. I'm, I'm not even that massively emo emotionally invested in it. I think it's a very interesting figure to blather about sometimes because people are just got so much emotional energy attached to him, either good or bad. He is so polarizing. He sucks up all that energy. It's very similar to Trump. And, you know, I kind of look at it from a distance. I, I don't care either which way what, what he represents and all this type of stuff. I just like to observe things based off him. He's got sort of Nietzschean traits that I like to I like to pontificate about. This makes everybody mad, even especially people who read Nietzsche, because they're like, what the hell are you using him as an example? Um, and so overall, yeah, that's, that's sort of I, like I don't really have some type of crystallized opinion. I think that's just that narrative is the facts of like what he was like. 
and um, I know we're just getting all in hysterical about the stuff recently. I don't know. They found out about him in the last six months from TikTok, and they have just such weird conceptions about him. And I don't know. If you've known him for years, you kind of know what type of dude he is, and you know what he is, and all that type of stuff. So there you go. There's there's my shtick, I guess. All right, Neil, uh, response sure. to that? Um, yeah. My response? Oh, dear. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I really do. I really don't. Where do I start? I mean, it's it sounds great and all that, you know, he's got this anti-establishment figure. He's, you know, he's rallying the, the, the warrior men who think masculinity is under attack. But rea- the reality is this dude's beating women. This dude is, he, he, he's, he's calling to an older, back-in-the-past lifestyle of this sort of uh, world that we are sort of coming out of now. And we're moving past this type of rhetoric of women are your property. Women do do what you say. We, we don't live this, this, that that's, this is, it's like a world that is like a, a fake world. Like we're, we're so past this stuff, like post enlightenment, postmodernist world where we know a lot more about people. We know a lot about such social situations. And for this to, for this to be like in a, a figure of a, a force to be considered a force of good is is hilarious because i mean the i mean i mean look at it like this right the the, the world we we came out of this christian world this muslim world that everybody played a role you did this you got married you worked here you went to church and the men did this and women did this and this is what your role is and it's funny to me how the sides of people who who support Andrew Tate or someone like Donald Trump, because I think that's a good, I think you're right. This is like a Trump type of figure. They are the type of people who are all about individual freedom. You know, a lot of libertarians. But then it's like when somebody wants to have that liber, that individual freedom and choose a woman who wants to be independent or if, if somebody wants if somebody wants to be trans or something, all of a sudden that's like, no, you're, you, this is a paid, this is, um, you're the uh you're you're the dictator you're the fascist it's but it's we live in a world where we have to be mindful of each other and it's not the doggy dog dog eat dog world is kind of uh i don't want i don't want to use the word it's it it is though it is it it is like a it, it it's not it doesn't work and what do you think about that so we're we're gonna end up talking about things completely unrelated to well, no, this, and like the Andrew stuff like Tate this. discussion is the discussion of mm-hmm. the world right now. Like, wait, wait, I wanna throw I wanna throw a curveball in here if I may. So what you were just talking about people's liberty, what if I throw in the curveball of saying that wouldn't there also be a certain modicum of liberty in a woman who would decide to either be a dominatrix or here, be the reverse? Here. First so. of all. First of all. First of all, sorry, let's cut you off, but like, go for it, go for it. Tate, Tate's not going out there saying that I don't know trans people don't have rights or any of this type of stuff because this is it's a worldview question. You like me and you are going to end up talking about the difference in worldview, how we even interpret history and stuff like this. So first of all, Tate, whatever he represents, he represents pure the pure attitude of of competition. You can think of it this way: he is purely focused on on competition, and he is completely amoral. He does not think about what is right or wrong. He thinks about what wins and what loses. And there is definitely something important to think about there. There is definitely a deep, deep meditation that we have about saying, 
if we started to look at the world that way, how would that change our actions? And of course, he's an example of what it would be. It'd be very materialistic. You'd be very focused on gaining things like, you know, status signals and stuff like this. And you'd be focused on the concept of winning an awful lot, what, what that would mean. And that really depends on the goals that you're defining for yourself. Now, um, the idea that, you know, you can be trans, he's, he's, he's sitting around and he's like stomping his foot in some moral way and saying, I don't like transsexuals. I don't like gay people. I don't even like, he's not saying like, I don't. I don't like none, none of that stuff. He's basically to defeat them in an open realm of competition. You spend all your time turning transsexual. I'm going to spend all my time in the gym and getting strong. And then I'm going to go and win the fight and get all the money. And then you're going to be broke and transsexual. Congratulations. There's no, there's no bias. There's no morality to it. He's just simply saying, I'm going to defeat you in the world that we live in. Because the world that we live in is, you could even say, somewhat objective. It's out there. We don't get to decide what it is. Instead, we adapt ourselves to that reality. And of course, this is the way of, you might say something like the warrior. It's not something where we're going to pontificate about what's good or what's moral or what's right and create all these abstract concepts inside of our head. Instead, we're going to study reality as it presents itself to us in a very simple way that we can see it. For example, you can go and do something like fighting, lifting, weightlifting. You could do the competition of trying to make finance and money and all these type of things. And what will happen is that you will get broken. Your ego will get destroyed and you will have to humble yourself to the world that is out there. And the world that is out there, which is the natural world, the world of the lions, the world of competition, the world of brutality, you will eventually develop values that are necessary to compete in that world so that you can succeed, so that you can win. And you're going to learn all sorts of interesting philosophical consequences of this. Like your Gnostic informant, so me and you are definitely going to have a big argument about what this, what I'm saying here, because Gnosticism would be the antithesis to this. Gnosticism would suggest that the natural world out there is evil, whereas Tatism, if you will, is the suggestion that the natural world is good, or it is what it is. And if you want to win in it, you must participate in it. And what happens there? When you go out and you realize that the lion kills the gazelle, nobody is nice to the gazelle. The gazelle just suffers in pain when the lion gets stronger. You start to see that there's this morality of competition or this morality of sort of might is right, if you want to put it this way. The morality of um, me versus you, the pathos of distance, as Nietzsche called it. You could say this is actually individualism in its purest sense, that sort of Ayn Rand individualism, whatever you want to say there. But it develops that attitude where you're saying to yourself, right, there's that natural world. I'm going to become an expression of that natural world. And that will actually turn you into something brutal as most religions like the Greeks, even Christianity saw the natural world as sort of evil and brutal and horrible. Buddhist Sodom as samsara. Instead, like it's sort of like a flip of the script and saying, all right, I'm going to embrace the values of the natural world. What is that going to turn me into? And then you get the energy in Tate. I'm not saying Tate is some type of fucking specimen or God and all this, but he, he kind of represents that attitude, the, the person who just goes for it. So I've said a lot there. If yeah. you have any thoughts, rock and roll. I, the one thing I want to really focus on, on everything you just said there is this idea of the world being a competition all about how you're broke or you're rich and that's it. And like, that's the, that's the whole entire point is to compete. And you're, if you're going to be trans, you're going to be broke. If you go to the gym and get, and get buff, you're going to be rich. What what is with this mindset where we can we can live in a world and and everybody can kind of cooperate with each other instead of kind of compete and try to be the lion eating the gazelle? I don't. I'm, I'm trying to understand what's the what's so fat what's so attractive about that type of mindset. Okay, well, I'll, I'll give you a metaphysical answer right now. I don't, again, I don't think you're going to agree with it because it's just like the way you model the world, I think, is very different to this. But I'm going to try to present it in a way that you can see what I'm trying to say and by all means, like challenge it and I'll try to make it as clear for you as I can. If you think about what life is, like we're literally going into philosophy now, metaphysics. If you think about the world as it is, all right, what, what, is, what is life? 
life you could go with this story life was this big explosion in the oblivion the 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 empty dead black hole and there's this big explosion of 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 some type of creative energy we'll say at the start some say it's god some say it was the will to power some say it was like i don't know science bitch or something like this whatever it was there's this explosion of some type of life force and this piece of life showed up about three billion years ago and started to self-organize itself and it's almost like it's this big ball of energy that has been moving through time for thousands of years and life is very interesting. It arrives on Earth, we'll say, and it goes with this project and it says to itself, all right, my problem, life's big problem is it's fighting against death or entropy or time. So whenever something sits on the world, entropy is going to come along and eat it and chew it up and try to destroy it. What's so scientifically interesting about life is that because of the systems that our biology creates, we are unbelievably anti-entropic, which is like nothing else we see around the world. Almost everything else gets wear and tear and breaks down. But life is the opposite of that. Life continuously competes and beats entropy. So you could say the fundamental metaphysical struggle is life versus death. This is the, the war that's going on, time versus uh, energy. Now, life comes up with this sort of strategy to beat time which is the sort of principle of eternal life. And what is this? Well, it gets its, it, it, it goes into the world. It turns itself into organisms and it splits itself into billions of different organisms. It's like a, a fractal psychedelic trip. And it makes all those organisms fight each other. And it, the ones that win get to eat the other parts and take those energy into itself to become stronger. And that's life's brutal way of deciding which organism is the better strategy. It's like an artist throwing up 400 paintings and saying 399 of them are shit. So I'm going to throw them out and use all my energy in the one one. It's sort of life doing something like this. It's creating all these species, all these animals, all these little pieces, all these little characters and making them all compete against each other. And the better one will win. And then it gets to consume the rest of them to make itself stronger. And this is actually a very intelligent strategy that life does to make the strongest entity possible to defeat death. This is the logic of life, if you want to put it this way. It's absolutely savage on us, but it makes perfect sense in the long run. This is how the lion becomes the big, beautiful, strong lion. This is how this works. So basically, if you're frail and if you're weak, if you're a piece of life that is not competent enough, you get consumed and your energy gets digested and turned into the power for another animal. And this is what you see in, in nature, for example, predators tend to have higher levels of consciousness and bigger brains, all these types of things. Although not always, there's many other ones that go beyond this because life is incredibly complex and incredibly diverse. Basically, the principles of the light of the world out there, life out there is based on competition, consuming the resources of the other, taking advantage of the situations around you to put yourself in the position of power, ultimately the pursuit and expression of power and the success that comes along with this. So competition is fundamental to life. And this is the old pagan way of seeing the world. Uh, Heraclitus says war is the father of all, or in different words, competition, conflict is the creator of the world. It's the creator of everything. So life is principally built on creation. It's principally built on competition and principally built on conflict. Um, a bit of a spiel. I'm going to pause it there and see I, what you think. Sure. I can also point to certain ecosystems where, like ants, for example, or mycelium, where these systems sort of play out and allocate resources amongst the the whole. And I think we get in, when we look at our the human civilization right now. I mean, this, this, people are going like, "What does that have to do with Andrew Tate?" It does a lot to the Andrew Tate because <laughs> Andrew Tate's mindset is basically opposing where the world's going right now. And so back to what I was saying is, we are in a point now. We are in a position now where we're like, this is not the world of Julius Caesar or Alexander the Great anymore. You don't have barbarians outside the gates that are trying to kill us. We have a world that is civilized, and it's it's about taking the next step forward. 
the 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 logical way forward is not dividing conquer and us versus them i mean there's going to be a point in time where we're going to have to get like this we're going far in the future but we're going to have to get off the planet one day like there we need to the the the, the human race has to be collective for this to it's it's actually the only solution in the end the individual freedom thing is on an individual level which this is why which is why i get into people like being who they are and not being who they pe people might are born a certain way but they feel a certain way and they want to be who they are hence trans people or non-binary people and so we to, to have a world where people can choose and not have to be like andrew tate or i have to be the buff male masculine man or a woman doesn't have to be, you know, wearing, wearing, uh, you know, dress, trying to be like the Barbie or something. Like people can be their own individual person mm. and not I, have to have this us for right. So you welcome Amy Therese. E Heavy Hi, sorry, <laughs> sorry, I'm getting like triggered here. <laughs> no problem. We hear you. I mean, We're here. I all right. Understand. Yeah. No, no, yeah, we, we hear you. Yeah. I just, I think it. It's kind of crazy to be talking about like non-binary people as though it's like actually a thing, and that you can just choose to like, step outside of reality in terms of like that's not a category of people. That's not a, a natural kind. You can't just choose to be something that doesn't exist. It does exist. What, what do you mean? Because we live in an actual material embodied world, you can't just make shit up and then just say I'm this thing that doesn't exist. Like okay, I'm a unicorn. Like what? Who's like I, I, who's a unicorn? I mean, it's like if you can choose to be a, a category that doesn't exist, a thing that doesn't exist, and then just claim that you are that thing, like a what you just live entirely online. Then it goes all over the place. I love you, Amy, but you know what I'm talking about. Anyway, I would love to get that response from from uh, Uberboyo and uh, Neil as well. And I think it does kind of make sense what uh, Amy's talking about here as far as how exactly are we going to define what's real and then what is the reaction supposed to be of somebody who actually wants to be great even if they don't want to go down that road of Andrew Tateness. You know, like how do you balance out being great without necessarily being as rough and is it possible to do so? So while Amy's figuring out the Wi-Fi and all yeah. that, yeah. Go on. So just even to address the sentiment, the sentiment that Lev uh, put out there, because it's it's something you hear an awful lot. And it's a very interesting frame. It's like, how do we become great without doing it in a rough way? And you're sort of like, it's like the cart before the horse, you know? Like you're supposed to, you know, you, you don't decide. If you're like a boxer and you said, I want to win using a left hook, you're kind of like, you, you sit the boxer down and you say to him, listen, bro, you should go out there and try to win with whatever opportunity comes up. Like, don't make, don't, I don't want you to decide how winning has to happen. That's not, that's not how things work. You know, you have to go and establish the idea of like, all right, I'm going to take advantage of the game that presents itself in front of me and go forth from there. But maybe I won't even get into that tangent and I'll like go back to the thing that um, Neil was saying initially. So sort of, I guess the premise he was suggesting, and this is a good question, you know, you have in the world, uh, the lions fighting and the lions are the pure expression of this law of nature you know and this is like how does a lion work a lion murders the other lion eats its children and then breeds with the women and then it um, gets to produce the next generation and that's how the lions stay strong because the male lions compete and it's very very brutal very very hard life 
but it makes them majestic and amazing for us to look at and they're the apex predator all that type of stuff now neil goes along and says you know it's like well fucking ants work together you know you look at an ants and they're not fighting each other they're working as a team and that's absolutely true that's absolutely true and i think this once you establish that principle of what life is or what nature is and you get very very sincere with yourself that it is fundamentally made on a very brutal undercurrent of conflict you can start to see almost like a psychedelic trip an amazing array of expressions of ways to deal with this problem so you get like a sloth you know you get a worm you get a you know you get a lion of course you get a dolphin you get a shoal of fish you get a tribe of monkeys you get a hive of ants the hive of ants is still trying to compete against the environment it's still trying to compete against all the other hives of ants it's still trying to compete against all the other animals they have warrior ants who murder other ants and also and they'll kill they'll bite you if you get near them so they are operating as a um as a unit of of expression of war it's like a human army, if you think about it this way. And what's going on there is that they are following these principles, but in a far more intelligent and organized way. Now, Neil, understandably, is sort of saying, well, human society is far closer to ants than it is to lions. And that's true. That's 100% true. But human society and then morphing human society into be, being something, losing focus of that first principle starts to drag humanist society maybe more towards the strategy and away from the purpose so you start to say that like ants organize as a society so being as, uh, as uh, an organized unit is the most important thing it's like no winning was the most important thing and it always was and defeating the, the competition and making sure that you come out strong and successful is that's the first principle that's where you start and then if you come up with this strategy like we organize as people that's good and maybe you could approach something like the transgender questions if you want or or do, uh, gay people or whatever you want to say and say well look if they're going to figure out a way to integrate into the plan then they have a place like it's not like they're going to fucking bother us as long as we're going towards the victory i think that's important mm -hmm. but I, I do think a very serious problem we're having right now is an obvious one where they are putting the exception as the rule they're taking all this nonsense about well, you know they're just saying i've got my gender i've made you know i'm inventing my identity and this comes above the ancient traditional and maybe shouldn't you say traditional evolutionary identities of male and female you know and then you just mm. get to, busy talking about blather about what that means and all that type of stuff where it's like well these those were very settled strategies that definitely worked and why are we starting to turn the exceptions into something we need to talk about so we arrived at a place where this is a this is a possibility now don't you think i understand i understand but i i think maybe we were we've got a lot of people exploring that possibility and mm. if you want to get the, the metaphysical what? version oh, of tate i, I want to make sure i want to make sure neil responds I, I want, yeah i want to respond to one thing you said a couple yeah. of sure, couple, sure, sure. 30 seconds ago something like that about how i mean so we, yeah we're, we're we're as a human collective we are battling with the environment around us and i do i like that approach but then you get someone like andrew tate for example and um, let's just look at his, you know, his, his his mentality towards climate change, for example. I got all these V8 cars. I don't care if I, I don't care what happens about carbon. I don't care about that. All I care about is my life and how I get to have fun. Where, where it, that type of mindset, real. let me finish. That type of mindset is destructive to humans. That's, that type of mindset will be the death of us. That's not the type of mindset that's going to get us off the planet when the world's about to when it's 150 degrees and we got to go like that's not that that's that that them uh, me versus you mindset is is an old thing of the past it's the julius caesar alexander world that we don't have anymore 
it was useful in the it was useful. I get that. I understand what you're saying. I'm a, I'm a huge history uh, student, and I get what you're saying. And I think there, someone like Andrew Tate would have thrived thousands of years ago. Of course, he would have. We are past that though in our in our in our evolution. Evolution is unfolding in so many ways, and that, that's one of them. Now, um, Lev, did you say you wanted to bring Amy in, or do you want me to reply to that? Because Amy is having Amy is having a lot of problems. No, no, no. Amy is just having a lot of problems with audio. Neil, I don't even think it's intentional that she was interrupting. I just think she may be in some place where she's not really sure who was speaking when, and it's hard. So I messaged Amy, and Amy, if you're watching this, get to like get to somewhere where your audio is going to be better. And then we're going to be able to talk, and I want to make sure everybody gets time to speak, and I would love to get your take as well on the Andrew Tate situation. But I wanted to shift gears a little bit. I know we're getting philosophical, and I love that, but I wanted to make sure we don't forget about something Neil pointed out, which was this recent video, two videos that Neil sent me, one of which was allegedly showing the guards of Andrew Tate's palace not letting the women... Uh, uh, escape allegedly but then they were smiling afterwards and another video where andrew tate was saying you know like i'm your daddy and she was saying yeah you're my daddy and you beat me up and stuff like that and then they were going for it the thing that i then wanted he to her. Then he smacked yeah, her in the yeah yeah i smacked her he was don't, beating don't her forget that part <laughs> but here no but here's here's the thing that i wanted to bring up earlier which has to do with dominatrixes if you were a dominatrix and you were servicing some old businessman who wanted you to stomp on his balls with your high heels would that not be a similar situation if this was Stop. consensual but lev what are you into that <laughs> what <laughs> the delay sorry brother man the delay, no no sorry. i think the joke lands too late or some shit All no right. no i heard you i heard you yeah so if there was that video that came out that neil sent me where uh tate was uh you know slapping around doing a lot of bad things with this uh, young lady but then the question that i'm bringing up is if this was a consensual snm session if you will she was calling him daddy and she was talking about you know it looked like they were playing if that is the case, then why would that be considered to be different from a dominatrix who's stomping on a businessman's balls should the roles have been reversed? So, Neil, you said no. Let me know why. Um, yeah, no, he smacked her in the face. She was, like, in tears. This is, this is just one event. There's other events where, you know, he's chasing women with belts in his hand saying, this is why I have to beat you. Like that type of shit, and, and this the question is, is are you a good person? And I'm, you know, I have to commend Steph Uberboyo for starting off and saying, you know, he's not immor he's immoral, but he, but he at least, like at least you admit that, and, and you're and you're going with he's immoral, but this is why he's a force. Okay, but at the end of the day, punching women in the face and chasing with belts, saying with this, I have to beat you, and then being a role model on the internet, that's a problem. That's why you have these companies like YouTube banning him because that's the, i mean we're we're operating in a world these are billion dollar corporation companies that have to keep people safe online and that's mm -hmm. not the figure that they want to have on there do, do, do you know what i'm saying about that or what do you think about that for example banning him what do you think about that you you want you want me to answer yeah okay um so i have a lot of thoughts uh okay I, i'm gonna try spin them all 
altogether. If you want me to stop at any point, just ask. I have no problem yeah. stopping. I'm actually going to go back to the climate change and then I'll address the ban sure. and even we'll talk about the, 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 the slaps and all that type of stuff. So first of all, with the climate change one, because I think this is a very interesting question because you're bringing up this idea of like the existential problem in the West or the world. And you're saying we, you're using this idea that we're all going to die, we're all going to boil alive in something like a climate change situation, which is an interesting question. Because I guess the narrative that I would be pushing is that the, the fall of Western culture is more of a crisis, more of an existential pressing crisis than the climate crisis. I think the climate crisis is, generally speaking, um, seemed like a big deal 10 years ago, but it's kind of not just not as serious as people are making it out to be. Now, I could be incorrect about that, but that would be my frame. Second of all, I think that idea that Western culture is declining, we could say, or becoming weaker, is related to a problem in the spirit of Western culture. Western culture is basically on how we're, I would say, in a Nietzschean way, how we're expressing our will to power. Now, there's this problem in Western world, like I don't think it's deniable, that there's a, a sort of weakening of the masculine energy, of the assertive masculine energy, of the ability for us to put our best foot forward, and most importantly, to be self-interested. And actually, I think one of the great ways to articulate this is to present it through the climate crisis. So what we have done in the West is we've gotten caught up in this big crusade about saving the climate, and we've gone to the whole world, and we've said to them, we all have to start reducing our emissions. And we could pull up this graph if you want. And of course, everybody agreed in 2012 that they'd all start reducing their emissions all across the world. China, for example, said they would. Now, the West and America started to at all these sustainability practices because we're good little boys with no balls that are, are going to sacrifice ourselves to the whole world and we're going to sacrifice our creative capacity to save the world. And of course, the Chinese were like, sure, you dumb fucks. Yeah, that we're going to get on board with that. No problem. I think the Indians might have been similar, but the Chinese especially. And the Chinese emission rates just go up and 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 up. And they just keep pumping out more carbon and we keep reducing ours. And right now in Europe, everybody's going cold in the winter. And we're doing all these self-sacrifices things. And what you see happening here is that we've, it's again, it's like cuckoldry, you know? Our weak spirit is again us getting, losing, us failing, these types of things. And you could make a, you could make a very, very strong argument that our biggest problem is not these big crusades that we keep talking about, but we just don't have a fucking spine. And even if we wanted to save the climate, we're not even going to fucking do it without a spine. So maybe there's something in somebody like Tay, that energy he has where it's very self-interested. And it's it's maybe like you could you think of it like a Jungian shadow. He's pushed all the way to egotism, the full like egotism on full throttle. And we all get mad at that. But in some sense, it's like, well, maybe that's something we're lacking. We can't even achieve our noble dreams because we don't have a spine to actually enforce them. And that's something that I think is very important to think about. I'm just going to be honest with you. When I look at Andrew Tate, I see a little, I see a young boy. I, I don't see a man at all. I see a boy, especially, I mean, I'm not going to keep harping on this, but like punch, beating women is not manly. It's not masculine. And I, I'm, I don't know. I'm, 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 I just have to ask you, when you look at Andrew Tate, do you see like a strong male masculine? I don't, don't see that. I look, yeah. I look through his eyes, I see a little boy. I'm just, just being honest. I, I understand. I'm not, I'm not even trying to be like, you know, I'm just, that's, that's literally how I see him. I understand. I understand. Like, I don't measure men on necessarily the way that you're presenting there. Like, even if he's like bad to girls and all that, I, I think of it this way. If I walked into the hood and there was a load of drug dealers with guns, I wouldn't think they're good guys, but I wouldn't also think that they're little boys. I think that they're, they're capable of danger, capable of violence. And I look at them and be like, well, they're fucking men that I'm not going to go fucking near because they're going to hurt me. Tate's the same thing. Tate, Tate's like, he's dealt with fear. He's dealt with, you can see it in his eyes. I've met him in person. He's, he's actually like quite, 
he's actually quite a low, he's sort of like introverted. He's actually way more quiet than you'd expect. But you look in his eyes and you you kind of see that he's got he's he's been through fights, you know, like he's got fighting him. He's like that character. You walk into the hood, you see a gangster, a gangbanger. You're sort of like, you know, you're going to treat him with respect. You might not even like him, but you're going to have to treat him with respect. And Tay has that energy about him. Tristan's the same. You no, know? mm. Tristan's actually an awful lot more bubbly. But the point being is that like the capacity for them to enact violence upon the world, enact their power upon the world, the capacity for them to handle fear, to think under pressure. They have all those types of grips. They have all those types of uh, traits that make up the core of manliness. And there's no way we can rationalize around that because that's just something that is fundamentally reactive. I give you give you a different example. There's a Navy SEAL I know who um, is like, you know, one of the, the kindest souls I've ever met in my life. Like he literally works with women, helping them overcome uh, issues in their own lives. He's like, act, like go, golden hair. He could be a priest if he wanted to. That motherfucker has killed lots of people. He's done open surgery on children as they're dying in the battlefield, pulling out shrapnel of them. And when he talks to you, he stares through your fucking face. He's got such an intense stare because he's seen shit that you just don't see in civilian life. He's seen death. He's seen he's held people's organs in their hands while they're like bleeding out in front of him and stuff like this. Sure. And he's got that that energy inside of him. And he also got that sort of like lovely, kind heart to go along with it, which makes him a very full person. But it's the, the core masculinity is something that's like chaotic and, and kind of put there. And maybe masculinity is not the right word of it. Like it, maybe you can see it's just warrior energy if you want to put it down to something like that. But I mean, that's, I, that's the way I see this stuff. Per personally, and with my own life experience, I don't know what Andrew Tate's been through. I don't know where he grew up. I don't know none, none about that. I'm someone who, I, if you watch my channel, I've talked about this. I've been in prison before. I've done time upstate. And people like that are just uh, most people that he's the, pe the person he's trying to portray usually are not like that. They're a lot quieter about, you know, how much money they make or how cool they are, how many girls they get. The per type of person that he is, he reminds me of like the, the guy in high school with the leather jackets and, you know, like like the kind of like trying to be cool and ends up getting jumped or something like I, i'm just saying like this, this this is probably pointless for this conversation but like that's I how it. i see the guy that's how i see the guy i see right through him i, I, I get it i i think i think like there's definitely a character out there who goes out and he's like i'm the man and then you just punch him in the belly and he's like whimpering all this i, I just in my experience mm. now again i'm not the most i'm not the the final word on andrew tate's character but from meeting him well, a couple of times that's it not very much i talked to him on my channel I get the feeling that he's not that character. Like he, he is the real deal. Like he's telling the truth. He's being who he is. He, he commands, he commands a respect. Like he backs up his word and all this type of stuff. He might certainly be, have a, a hard edge to himself and a rough edge to himself. And he, maybe even a, like a slightly evil edge to himself. But, um, but it's like, you know, I don't think it's, I don't think he's a faker. Let's put it this way. John. I want to see if we can get Amy back on here. Uh, Amy, you should be in a better Oops. location right now. I want to ask you specifically about Andrew Tate. Uh, what do you think about the discussion so far as far as uh, whether he is a uh, manly man or whether he's a boy pretending to be a man like Neil was talking about? Uh, let me know what you think. Okay. Yeah. It, I mean, before I get too distracted i i think it's very interesting to think that like a specific look in somebody's eyes can imply that they've seen shit like there's a thing like a pretty classic tactic that most psychopaths and quite a few narcissists use which is like this romance stare where they just stare at you for kind of too long um it tends to be something that like especially a lot of pickup artists will use as well and it's just like 
it's kind of thing where like um if you're a chick and there's this guy staring at you like it will get your attention but it's the kind of thing that guys who kind of don't have appropriate like social boundaries do because yeah it gets your attention but it's also kind of creepy and it's like the type of thing these guys do to love bomb women and people that they are just meeting for the first time to make them feel like really fascinated by those if they're pretty interested and interesting it's just this like pseudo charismatic thing that certain people do to make other people feel like they're super interested in them so i don't know i just i i think it's funny to assume that just you know somebody staring at you you know, in this kind of wide-eyed way necessarily means anything about the experiences that they've had. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's it's easy to see why someone like Tate fills up a pretty massive void in the current kind of cultural milieu. Like, I don't know, as a woman, I find all these, like, psychotic leftist women um, incredibly, like... I don't know, maybe it's just me, but I find them to be a lot, like, easily just as predatory as someone like Tate. Like, I mean, like, I, I think he seems like he's, I don't know, he, I can see why he seems like a little boy as well. Like, he seems really childish. He seems like a kind of arrested development emotional toddler to me anyway. But by the same token, He's pretty accomplished in terms of like all the all the fighting that he did and he's obviously like made something of himself whatever whatever but i just i fundamentally disagree with so many like a whole bunch of the bullshit that he says is just like really toxic really unhelpful and i i tend to disagree that but um i can see why someone like him has has developed the platform that he has because people like greta thunberg and AOC and all these like slimy leftist women to my mind are far more predatory they're like the the kind of like um the velvet glove that conceals the iron fist of the quote-unquote regime like I get why people find those people annoying and and it's totally easy to understand why someone could take or you know a Trump for him um, can quite easily cut through all the bullshit because they're prepared to say things that aggravate those people and those bullshit psyops climate change that nobody else is willing to say in the current moment though like it's easy to see why people sort of love him and you know affix a certain like reverence that but by the same token i just i don't see um i mean i just i wish people could separate entertainment from like moral authority or political like political insight like he's an entertainer he's wwe guy like look at him as playing this kind of kayfabe like trump oh, fine but like once you start putting him on like yeah you don't need to reveal the guy i'm kind of fucking moral leader or like insightful political badass that's like going up against quote unquote the regime like no yeah. this guy has millions and millions of followers on the same platform that greta thunberg does know what i mean like he yeah. triggers the shit out of those people but like he's not actually challenging power in any meaningful sense of the term hmm. well that's that that's an interesting uh thing for us to look into is he actually challenging power uber boyo but also amy i am so i am so uh in love with 
what you're saying right now. I only wish it could be heard better. See if there's any way you can turn on a Wi-Fi signal or something because the audio is still like it's half good, half is horrible. It's that bad. It's that Pretty bad. Tough. Yeah. So that's why see okay, if you okay. can get a Wi-Fi signal or go to a <laughs> go to a cafe <laughs> or something. I don't know. Okay. Yeah, but okay. while Amy's figuring that out, any thoughts? Yes. Yes, any thoughts on the any thoughts on what uh, Amy was talking about here? Neil? Would you like me to go? Or would you like me go to go? For it. Go. go for it. Um, I'm trying to remember absolutely everything she said. So at the start, you were talking about... Uh, no, you're okay. You're okay. Like, you know, it's limits of the human mind. At the start, you were talking about his... Uh, so you're saying he was an entertainer in the middle. What was the very first idea that you were presenting? That... Um, well, well that he's saying that, bullshit. Yeah, and that he is also like that little boy archetype that uh, Neil was talking about. And then she was talking about the eyes, yeah. Um, yeah, okay, I, I don't think there's any crazy points in that. But yeah, like, I guess you could say that, uh, I don't know, maybe the, the dude has got like intense eye contact and all this type of stuff. It's mm. like, look, again, I've met him a few times. This is sort of like that scene from Gladiator where uh, Russell Crowe laughed laughs and says you met marcus aurelius and he's like i met him once and he gave me a tap in the head or something like that very similar with me and tate you know like i met him once she kind of shook hands this, this type of stuff like chatted very briefly and all this but he seems very well socialized you know he seems very well put together like if you wanted to make a case that he was some evil narcissist you could say that he's very in control of who he is and presents himself very well and he has very nasty intentions behind this and all this but he comes across a very genuine congruent well-spoken well socialized very socially aware like oh, he's got all those traits about him you know and do you know what's very interesting is that he's putting on a fucking show and he's he's up there on twitter and he's talking he's, it's crazy when you see it because you're like of course of course he turns it on massively i've seen him shoot the videos and stuff like that and he'd like do a take and then he's like sort of like all right let's i think i've actually got the energy right here and the point is like he's he's a professional he's going out there and he knows that if he gets attention he's eventually going to turn that into fucking cash and he's out there to make money like fundamentally and so he goes up and he's like how can i be the most what will get the most energy and attention off people boasting and having cars so they can't be mad at you and stuff. like it's, you know it's it's very it's low-hanging fruit but it's not stupid either. Like he's succeeded in making loads of cash with it because people are dumb enough to give him all that attention. And it's like, what, like, what can you really do? Like it, it, you're, you're nearly sort of complaining at him when it's like the herd is vulnerable I, to it. You know, it's I, not, agree, I agree with that hundred percent. It's not like he went viral on TikTok by himself. There was lots of people who would comment for hours. I get this in my own TikTok and all this shit. People just writing comments and like why are you investing so much time pumping my fucking algorithm like yeah. what are you doing you stupid yeah, yeah. bastard <laughs> keep doing it keep doing it for me i'm fucking happy no problem i'll just keep saying to people oh do you want a, a tiktok course or something like that look how much fucking mm. stuff i can get so so, so what you're basically saying is is that the people deserve it that's what you're kind of saying that the people who want to watch andrew tate they get what they deserve think think about it this way he's a very smart dude like, he is a smart dude. People get mad at him, but, like, like you know, he's he's clever. He's strategic. He's good at taking action. He's an effective person in many ways. Well socialized, can speak very well, got very good speaking skills. And he sits down and he's out to play a game. And the game is he wants to get fucking rich, you know? Like, he constantly says it, you know? And then he thinks to himself, well, how do you get rich? You get attention. So he goes up there 
and he, he literally figures out the way to trigger people the most he possibly can. And he wins, you know? Now, on top of this, he has many thoughtful opinions that he's taught true that are, like, you know, very, very important for some, some young guys to hear. This would be this whole sphere of the red pill. If you want to, like, look at someone like Rolo Tomasi and all this type of stuff. A lot of people get very triggered about this. There's a lot of toxic people in that movement. I absolutely agree. But Tay presents it in a very, very good way, and he, it, it speaks to an awful lot of guys' souls. I'll get into that an awful lot more later, if you wish. And ultimately, he's just out there playing the game really fucking well. And exploit. if someone gets mad at him, he exploits that if you if you find yourself getting mad at him he's he's ma he's making money off you you know if you find yourself commenting about him he's making money off you if you find yourself i'd say amy's probably got the right approach if you're just sort of at a distance you laugh at him but you don't take him serious that would probably be the thing that would make him go away for most people but the more hate he gets and the, the more love he gets as a consequence you know they they, they push him towards yeah a martyrdom now at this point which is what's going on so that would That's be the first thing i'd say yeah. um the yeah, second anti-fragility Yes, brilliant at that. Yes. Now the second thing has so to do with that. He's kind of playing a character. Though. Yeah. Kind of, what about sincerity though? Is it sort of a character that he's playing? He's always got to have a cigar. He's always got his sunglasses on. That's not a real person. That's a fake. That's an online personality. Yeah. Don't you think? Uh, there's there's social media it's a social media persona like if you think these people are actually your friends and you're getting like an authentic personality and a multi-million follower influencer, then you've bought into to a stupid degree do you think you're getting aoc's sincere fucking personality on twitter no you're getting a character they're all characters this yeah. is this is just the like this chaotic relationship people don't want an authentic relationship with andrew and stuff with this like i remember tristan was saying um that he was he was walking down the street and some kid walks up and doesn't even ask him some kid just walks up with a fucking phone and takes a picture beside him stands beside him doesn't say hello doesn't do any of that shit and just takes a bit like steals his image onto his phone and runs away and it's like you know it's like what the fuck is going on with the world the state of the world like so people are complaining about people it's like this is i'm sure the tates are bad they're they're drumming people up they're playing under emotions and all this type of stuff but look as well at the state of of man of the herd you know people mm. are running up and they're just so unadapted to normal human interactions and all this type of stuff and it's like we're we're i don't know we're, we're our own worst enemies when it comes to many so, of these types so of if you had somebody like uh stalin lenin hitler you know uh, mussolini all the big <laughs> ones who are able to command the masses to do their bidding what happens in today's world where the relationships be become like one that people have with somebody like andrew tate do you see this changing i mean we already kind of see with, with trump but even furthermore down the line what do you see happening when it comes to politics when it comes to activism with people of this sort being uh you know as in demand by all of these faces watching them online do you want me to answer? Do you yes. want Amy? Do you want Neil? I want you to answer. Amy, you got to work on your audio. It's still, eh, it's still bad right now. But is it uh, yeah. still bad? Yes, um, it is. It's, it's still bad because when um, you asked that, you said, "Is it still bad?" Not, "Is it still bad?" That's why it's still bad. But uh, Uber Boy, I'll go for it. <laughs> okay. Mode. Well, I'll, I can come. I'll send me um, out of out lab, and I'll come back another day. All right. I'll. All right, guys, um, follow follow Amy Therese. Amy yeah, Therese is uh, yeah, back. Bye-bye. Back on Twitter after being canceled. Back on Twitter. And I'm glad to have Amy back. And uh, look forward to having Amy back on soon as soon as the audio is fixed up. But Amy, thank you so much for being here. So, yeah, Uber Boyo, yeah, let me know. Like, what do you see happening no, in the future? Sorry about the audio. Don't worry about it. It happens. Uh, 
Steph, what do you see happening in the future when it comes to people like Andrew Tate and becoming such a political animal, if you will? Like right now, Andrew Tate, he isn't really running for anything, but if a person like him was, do you see this being something that's going to cause problems in the future when a person becomes so much of a character? I mean, look at, again, like Hitler or uh, Stalin or Mussolini or whoever. Mussolini ended up becoming a caricature of himself the more of the adoration of the people he was getting. So now that we're online, wh where do you see this going? Um, it's, it's a very interesting question. You know, it's like Spengler's idea that we're going into the age of Caesarism. I guess I'll try answer two. I'll try answer the idea that is Tate challenging power um, that Amy was bringing up. And then I, I'll sort of combine it with a, another, another question, another frame. So this idea is, um, okay, why does someone like Mussolini show up? You know, like what's going on there? Now, first of all, we have an awful lot of like loading on Mussolini because of the fact that he's essentially this kind of antithesis to the liberal paradigm, as is Hitler, as is Stalin. You know, they're like communist fascism. They were like the, the opposite of the glorious liberalism that won and all this type of stuff. Now, nonetheless, these characters... Some sense they're like great men who shape history to their will, but there's also an aspect of like culture, you know, like there's the people sort of like look for these types of characters. The people are ready for this type of stuff. Like what was going on in Germany was happening for maybe 200 years. There was this energy building up that like manifest as Hitler because World War One came around and it was basically the earlier, younger, and way different version of that energy. And Hitler was like the final explosion of German idealism, if you want to call it, or something like this. Mussolini is sort of similar. Like the, the Italy nationalized only a while before that. And there was this cultural revolution going on. This is the same with the Russians. You know, the Russians had the communist revolution building up to it. And, and Stalin came sort of after that. But he was obviously a part of that and all this as well. Um, and that was a big a, a thing that grew in Europe. Like Marx's words were, there's a specter hanging over Europe. The, there's, there's an aspect of this that is um, a sort of symbiotic relationship, as I said. And it's hard to know what to make of it. Because fundamentally, like, you can judge it all you want. But... It's, it's where things are going, isn't it? Like these type, like Kanye West is making his bid for fucking president, you know? Like it's like, what the fuck is going on here? Like we've got some type of music star stepping up and saying, I'd like to put my hat in the ring or whatever the metaphor is. And um, with someone like Tate, Tate's, Tate's going on Piers Morgan. Like, you know, people, look at his moves. He's going on Piers Morgan and he's presenting himself to the British public as a very well-constituted, put-together and articulate man. And he won Piers Morgan over and now... He comes out of this without dirt in his name. Piers Morgan will take him back on and chat with him more. And then he'll get presented as the strongman figure that will clean up London and stuff like this. And it's like, maybe a door will suddenly open for him. And he'll be the, he'll get offered to do a prime minister's job or something like that. Like that, that type of thing can happen. And that's really just down to the sort of creative opportunities that the modern world is giving. Like the, the things are transforming so quickly that, yeah, a character like that could show up because there's no like the whole idea of politicians and career politicians. It's just it's so stiff and frozen. That's mm. not how those institutions need to work. You know, you could be anybody. You know, it doesn't I, have to be the way it works. There's no law. There's no rule that puts it this way. I want to get Neil on this, but also when it comes to how much of a person they actually are as opposed to being the puppet of the masses, this is the other thing that kind of uh, uh, concerns me about where we're heading. Because if we have somebody like Tate or Kanye, it seems like they are made up of the individual shitposts and the individual, like, all 
all collected together of all these rants about the modern world from random anonymous people online. So they just take all of that into themselves and now they don't become like this individual thinker who's going to weigh this option versus that option. They're going to do whatever it takes to get more of those anonymous people to press the like button. And at that point, who's piloting the ship? <laughs> you know, because then you have all of these Twitter... Uh, 4chan, uh, whatever, Anons, they are the ones who end up being kind of in charge, but they're not even in charge either because none of these ideas are their own. These are just like ideas that have manifested becoming bigger than the individual unit. So do you see something very destructive about that that can manifest itself over time? And then I want to get to Neil as well because I'm curious, Neil, what you think about that too. It, it's it's a question of possibilities because like you know you could slap Kanye in the president's seat there, and he seems he doesn't think very clearly like he's an artist and he he thinks very diffuse and he's he's like going on seven trains of thought. It's very similar to how my mind works and I've trained myself over years to be able to have ten thoughts, grab onto one and articulate it. And this makes me come across an awful lot more rational than I used to. Like I used to be like a blather brain, this type of thing, and. Kanye has not really trained himself to be like that. So when he has, he's like talking about 40 different things. So he comes across very, very sloppy. So you could put him in and he could go and he could start like smashing the hammer and putting out executive orders and all this. And it could be an absolute mess, you know. But then you could put someone like Tate in and people would be like, oh, he's an anonymous troll. But see, Tate's an awful lot more of an effective person. He's an awful lot more coherent. Like you listen to him talk in a podcast. He's coherent for four, four fucking hours. He can just talk straight, be very on point, hold together ideas, very, very clear and intelligent thinker, very, very good man of action who's really built himself up from the ground up. And he could be a very effective leader. Now, would he be a good guy? Jesus, fuck knows. This is actually quite a big question. This is Machiavelli's big question. You know, he's the bad prince that would probably be a great leader because he's very decisive. He's very clear. And the big challenge is how do you get that prince to align his interests with people because if you can do that he's going to be brilliant he will be the prince who will fight for the people but if you get that guy in and he turns on the people he will fuck them up you know and this is this that's a really hard mm. this is the great struggle of no but you know, also the people organizing people and politics because but also the people's interest is very short-sighted well, sometimes that's the other big problem here we're talking about somebody who is going to be so influenced by the people by whatever it is that's going to get the most likes and the most retweets what if those things that get the most likes and the most retweets are just short-sighted grug uh reactions to whatever is going on I, I know what you're saying now i like we we have to we have to try to think more dynamically here because Yes, there's 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 4chan, if you want to put it this way, or there's message boards. But even on 4chan, there's truth, and a lot of it, you know? Because you go onto these sites, and there's these people expressing, quite honestly, some of their very instinctive existential worries about the world. And this is not, like, that's not a lie. Now, then they distort it by, like, putting up Pepe's with, like, you know, fucking diapers on and stuff like this, and they talk about, like, cutting off people's heads and stuff like that. And that's then the, a more malignant expression of it. And if this is sort of maybe someone like Yay or something like this, he, he he might be a bit sloppy and you might not know exactly how he's going to make decisions. But if you're going to look at someone like Tate, he could be a terrible person to put in because he just completely reorganized the system to suit himself and make himself a bazillionaire or something exactly, like this. Exactly. That's what he's going to do. But he, he could, like, or maybe maybe I can kind of change the frame of the conversation to, to see it a little bit, little bit more clearly. He You could look at the way he's talking to young men and you could say that he's just responding to memes. You could say that. And in some sense, a little bit of it is true, but he's also sitting down and 
deeply studying his own struggles and pains of being a dude growing up and suffering through the world. And he's articulating that stuff. And that's actually genuinely authentic. And he's up very hard for his potential and achieve a dream life for himself. And when he speaks to men generally, that's actually quite a noble part of male, the male spirit. This is the male spirit to go beyond himself. Because most males nowadays sit around in the metaverse, play fucking Netflix, and are fucking losers smoking weed, eating pizza all the time. And Tate's speaking to them. It's very simple, but he's speaking to them about going beyond that, going beyond themselves. And that's actually a very deep and authentic thing. It's, it's, it's a simple meme. It's like you're a fat fuck eating pizza. You're a loser. You're a dork. You're broke. Sparkling water. You're broke. But the thing is, is that on the flip side, he is actually calling people towards something quite higher. So these, these, this stuff is dynamic. This stuff is diffuse. It's, it's, it's silly to throw away and say, oh, these, guys, these guys are just showing up because of memes. That's not what's happening. There's not a lot of people going on Twitter and memeing random bullshit that doesn't mean anything. And then Tate shows up. Tate is speaking to a deep existential anxiety and anger and fury that was in it with, is within the male sex. And it is manifesting and making him strong. Mm. The same with Kanye. He's speaking to a deep anxiety and worry within Christian America that is making people very worried about what's going on in the world. Who's leading this thing? What's the situation here? And no one talks. No one articulates the problems that he wants to talk about, they want to talk about. And so characters like this show up. And it's like memes, but it's also got a deep anxiety underneath it as well. And it's the same with, as I said, with, with Tate too. Like you have to be able to see it with that, that um dynamism to really understand what's going on and then the last thing i'll try to cut this short so neil can go ahead um it's very important to understand that i guess you could say a great leader will be able to penetrate into that and bring out maybe the good side of it as opposed to letting it fall down and become negative so he's be able to take the energy and steer it towards something good and this is the problem like knowing a person will be able to do that is just so hard to predict you know it, and it's even once say you get the right dude to even get them in a position the power is just just so many steps beyond it. It's, it's basically possible. Neil, uh, I I I'm trying to like play the tape in my head for someone like not like let alone Kanye, who I just think is insane. I, I don't I don't even want to entertain that. But um, musically genius, but just completely insane as a individual. But anyways, uh, for Tate, trying to play the tape through for someone like Tate in a political power position. Is like a governor or something. It, I just think <laughs> this guy. This, this They've guy done worse. They've done about, worse. He, this, this is a guy who's bragging about like how people are giving him money online. They're a bunch of dorks. They're a bunch of losers. Mm. They're giving me money. They're idiots. Like, can you now translate that into a political position? And this is somebody who just doesn't. I don't. I don't think he cares about the well-being of more, the mass That's people. That's the I average politician. Tate is. He's he, he's he, he's steering the ship of Andrew Tate, and that's it. I mean, that's the average politician, you, isn't that? You actually do. You, you, sure, I get that. Most politicians do have their own empires, and there are like playing stocks, and I get that. I'm not saying I'm not going to say he's. But let's be real: <laughs> is Andrew Tate going to be better than them? No, I don't think so. You know, I, I just don't see that. I, mean, we're, I, I was, I think, I think, thinking of one example of when he was talking about how women can't drive, they shouldn't drive, the man should drive, and Hassan Piker was debating him. They were saying, "Here's the data. Actually, the data turns out that more men get into accidents than women do." And it's like he, he just doesn't care about the data. He just, it's his own. What he saw in his life, he might have had a girlfriend that got into an accident. That's what matters to Andrew Tate. What, what he sees. What he goes through, 
that's the only thing that matters. That's the only reality there is. Like Before, if he was in power and scientists came to him and says, here's the data. We need to switch this policy to fix this certain thing. He'd be like, no, I don't care about that. I'm like bullshit. You know? Yeah. He would. Wait, before Steph I mean, responds. I agree before Steph responds, I think that he's actually playing, now that you mentioned, I think that Andrew Tate is playing 4D chess because he converted to Islam knowing how much the Muslim birth rates are going up in England. So what he's doing is that he's waiting for his chance to rule over a Muslim caliphate in uh, London. <laughs> what do you think of that? <laughs> Could be the case. <laughs> Look... Like, look, if if I was Tate's political advisor now, I have no idea if he has any aspirations for this, you know, but he could. He definitely could. He definitely has the attention of the masculine youth. He is definitely decisive enough. He presents himself well enough. He would be a brilliant, strong character. If he came in and turned around and said, London is fucked. Hello, English people. I'm English as well. Grew up in fucking Luton. London is fucked. There is a crime through the roof in England right now. It is is an absolute mess and we the, the reason why it's a mess is because we're not strong on crime and we're doing all this crazy shit where we're like moving a lot of people from all across the world and not getting them to integrate properly and all this type of stuff i'm a tough dude i'm a bad man i'm the dude who comes in and makes sure that whatever happens i'm going to put the foot down and make sure that there's going to be order you know the saudis i'm going to make it horrible to be a criminal in here and there won't be any crime you'll be able to walk down with your watch all of a sudden and all the talent will start coming back and it won't be a fucking um, anarcho-tyrannous mess and all this type of stuff now he could go and present himself this way this is like Nietzsche's idea of beyond good and evil people would people would literally look straight past all the, the stuff in the past because they would see an alignment between self-interests he would want to become this politician make a lot of money get a lot of connections in England probably is maybe go live in London again maybe he likes being in England maybe he's sick of like being in Romania and foreign parts of the world and then on top of that all these people in England would get what they want as well through him and you could see the way that he could cast up that thing out of him. And God knows, like, maybe it'd be something that would be good. Maybe because the crime rate in London is out, is out, is out of this world. Like, it's, it's terrible. You can't even walk down the street without getting fucking stabbed and stuff like this. That's now, why Lord Miles the problem left. is maybe he gets in and he starts to do well, there you go. And then maybe he gets in and he does all these like backroom deals and just makes the situation worse. It fucks the country over in a different way. But you could see the political possibility because you have to get more creative. Like he's, we think of politicians as these guys who speak politically correct and are very kind and temperate. Trump has ended that. Now it's about like now we can get imaginative. You know, politicians, Julius Caesar of the past walked into Rome with an army. We've never seen anything like that, but that has happened before. And so Tate could just figure out a way to get the influence right hit the right rhetoric and angle and maybe he could pull it off I, I don't even know if you'd be interested maybe he wouldn't get near the votes we thought you know maybe it'd be like he doesn't have near the influence we think he does but if he wanted to and he, he really tried it like that's that's an angle that it could work and how you even judge that stuff i'm not too sure because it would just be so fucking chaotic just... now you mentioned uh, donald trump well, and that's, uh... um, i guess what you see now, you mentioned Trump, and uh, as you recall, one of the controversial things during the election was him uh, grabbing by the pussy comment, which, from what I recall, the longer version was that they, they let you grab by the pussy, whatever, and that calls to mind what I was mentioning earlier in the discussion having to do with uh, that, uh, in my opinion, you know, very horrible video of him, uh, you know, abusing on, in front of the screen that lady. And the question there is... Can we have it both ways when it comes to women and free choice, where as long as something is consensual, as just, just, just to keep that in there, as long as it's consensual, if 
a woman decides to do something that to us would be absolutely abhorrent, do we have a right to say no? Do we have a right to say, as a woman, we must protect you from making this horrible decision? Or in the case, if there are women somewhere, we could say, well, they were manipulated by empty promises or whatever, but men are manipulated by empty promises too, and they end up becoming what is referred to as a mark, you know, walking in the streets of Manhattan, getting to buy some useless item or whatever. You know, it happens all the time in life. So the question is, where do we stand when it comes to a decision, even if a horrible decision, that an independent woman would make if, again, what was occurring there, which is very horrible, was consensual? Do you want me to answer that or do you want me Sure. I don't know if uh, Neil... You should answer that. I'm, I'm not... You answer that. I don't really, I didn't really understand the question, but go ahead, uh, Steph. I know. I thought I explained um, it so pretty well. Is, but, yeah. like, you know, is it all right? Is it all right to give a girl a good spanking if it's going to get her off? Or should we have sort of like cultural rules in place to make sure that that doesn't happen? Is something something along those lines? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, if again, the SNM, if that was a case in that video of consensual SNM, if this was a case of uh, them agreeing beforehand, I'm going to do this that horrible stuff. That's not the case in that video. That's... How I, do you I, know? I, I, you're talking about the, the video where he smacks the girl in the yes. face and put, pushes yes. her head down on the pillow? Yes. Yes, exactly. That is not, that's, I don't care. I don't, if they, if, even if they began that discussion saying it's consensual, it didn't end that way. She, I mean, that, that was just terrible. Like, you're a man, and you, you talk about how strong you are, and you're slapping a, a girl who's one-third the weight of you. I mean, that's going to – like, that's not – what the hell? This is just not – I don't Even if well, at. let's well, let's imagine. Yeah, let's imagine there is a scenario, and I'm not saying this is the case. Again, if this was not consensual, and that is a horrible thing. But let's say, for example, there was a scenario where let's say we reverse the gen uh, we reverse the sexes. Let's say a little man, like a little scrawny man, wanted to get beat up by a female bodybuilder, and they would agree to that beforehand. They would do that video, and then all of a sudden, this bodybuilder would be slamming him again <laughs> against the bed. Like, it's funny, right? It's not that funny when it's switched around, when it's a woman, because I think there is a part of us that makes us feel like we don't want women to be subjected to this horrible stuff. But then the question is, where exactly do you draw the line as far as personal responsibility goes do you draw the line for when it comes to the man like would you allow the scrawny man to get beat up by the female bodybuilder if he wants to get beat up or no like do we do we judge differently based on the sexes when it comes to that that's kind of what i'm what i'm getting at here if that's clear yes okay well uh, let, let me put it this way the answer to andrew tay is andrew tay so you're just after glitching on me. Can you still hear me? I can hear you. Yeah. yeah. So he's, he's like, what? He's like the hyper assertive, you know, as toxic as possible out there to fucking win at all costs. And, you know, he's the type of dude that's like pure, he will, you know, take your girl and then he'll spank her. Like, and then you'll be mad and she'll probably be off with him. And there's nothing you can do about it. Cause you're not strong enough. All these types of things. And, you know, like Ireland, we had this problem with people getting drunk. And they'd beat their wives and stuff like that. And the answer to it always was the brother and the father would show up at the house one day with a metal bar and they would straighten the fucker out. And then there'd be no more beating of the wife. And then the girl would be taken home and that would be that, that type of thing. If they got wind, something like that was going on. Now, what's sort of going on in the West right now is that there's like, it's like we are wimps, you know, we're out there and we've like, you could even say through something like feminism, we've sort of liberalized our girls. 
and there's no protection me mechanisms at all. There's nobody taking care of them. There's nobody able to enforce these types of things. And it's like such a surreal thing to turn around and, and say to the world, it's like, don't take advantage of women and, you know, treat them with respect and all, all this type of stuff. It's like bad dudes are going to come along and take advantage of them and stuff like this. And I think Tate is, he's almost like obnoxiously showing you that if you had more of the energy that he has and you're just willing to direct it, you'd be able to stop things like this happening. These girls running off and going off into webcam studios and all this type of stuff. Tate wouldn't have been able to set up a webcam studio in a Muslim country. He just wouldn't have happened. He would have been strung up upside down and had the skin ripped off at some point. But the Western culture is like really struggling with this question of liberalization and liberalism because we allow something like the feminism and sex work and empowering of sex work. And then you have a dude like this show up and realizes how he can profit out of it, goes and like, you know, takes a load of girls puts them into whatever position he's going to do and becomes rich off it you know ex like exploits their labor to become rich for himself. like a pimp exploits a load of simps to become rich uses you know, he's literally the model of like a, a gangster pimp from like you know the black hood in, in america mm -hmm. you know he's the perfect model of that and even like hearing about how pimps work that's the that's like that's it what does the pimp do the pimp takes all the cash off the horse and then he buys the big fancy car and all the fancy clothes so then he can seem like the big high status dude. And then he starts bragging all the time, which generates all this energy towards him. And then he gets the better looking girls as a consequence, which so, then he can sell for more money, which then he can buy more fancy stuff. So, so, so to use it's, another it's the same roadmap. So to use another example that Neil, maybe you'd be able to understand because maybe I wasn't clear in my original example. We have today a glorification in certain circumstances of sex work where it's something that's starting to not be considered to be like this, you know, lowly thing. And it's something that should be celebrated if it's the woman's choice, if she wants to be a sex worker. And let's say it's the woman's choice if she wants to have a pimp that would manage her sex work. And the question, like, how do we look at something like that? We probably would imagine that she would be getting into pretty grisly bad situations with nasty clients and whatever but at what point do we say uh this is beyond whatever uh your willpower is capable of enduring i'm gonna save you from this life of sex work or do we step back and say you know what she's an adult she wants to engage in the sex work uh let her engage in the sex work because that's really what it comes down to with the question of again if this was consensual these uh various happenings with andrew tate and these women at what point do we say that they you know that we step back and say if they made that choice then they should go for that and suffer the consequences and at one point should we say no they don't know what they're doing we have to save them Um, look, like this is again a cultural question. It's a very difficult one to talk about. Like again, Tate is weirdly the answer to Tate. So take his message where he's sort of saying he wants to make men strong. That's what he's going to evolve his message into now. And it's going to be an awful lot more digestible for people as a whole. He'll start talking about men's mental health. This is what Liver King does as well. This is like the kind of the way that you can present these type of topics in a, in a, in a pal pal uh, palatable way to people. Tate's mm -hmm. going to constantly talk now about empowering the father within the home. And the big ruckus is that you go into this feminist world and you have a man in a household who is married and his authority is subverted by things like the law, by things like the culture, by things like the cultural attitudes around this. Now, this leads to weakening the man's position and role in the family. What happens as a consequence of this is that because he's weak, he is not respected. And then his daughter comes along and does not respect him. And he, she becomes 
she becomes, she doesn't have any disciplining force in her lives that's going to guide her and set her on the right track and keep her away from these types of things. And then what happens, even if she gets involved with this, there's going to be no big bad dad who's going to come along and beat the fuck out of 19 year old Andrew Tate and be like, you're not going near my daughter, you fucker. You know, like that's like, why is that stuff not happening? You know, it's because all the men who were supposed to be doing that stuff are cucks. They've been cucked. They're pathetic. But there's a, but there's a shadow the side that, too. That, that cultural malice. There's a shadow side to that too, which is what I always talk about. I always talk about these uh, Russian villages that existed in Imperial Russia, where a lot of the serfs that were living in those villages, they were, I mean, beating up their daughters. That was the least of it, you know. Like they were doing incredibly horrible stuff to the people that they had physical power over, and it was not a matter of somebody stepping in and changing it because everybody was like in that state of darkness. And I'm sure Russia is not the only place where that kind of shit went on. So by no means should you take what I'm saying as evidence of any kind of support towards the complete opposite i think there should be a balance where uh i i can't even figure out exactly what the balance is which is why like i'm asking neil like neil you were very silent right now listening to me rant about all this stuff i want to know what you think about um, this because this is a question i'm not saying anything I mean, directly think... here I'm trying to figure I mean, out where responsibility the responsibility lies yeah outside of where the we obviously have the law, first of all, just sure. laws that, you know, human trafficking, you can't just punch someone in the face, stuff like that. Outside of that, there is also common sense. Like, yeah, you, you agree. You and I have an arrangement. I'm your pimp. You're my whatever. And, you know, I'm going to protect you and you're going to sell your ass and we're going to be in this together. But like, there's a common sense. Like, that's that's a real thing. Go to Vegas. You're going to see that. Like okay. you might get mad at me for for even promoting that idea. If someone's in the comments can be like, are, are, "Are you serious?" Like I don't I don't condone. I'm not saying that people should be, be in those situations, but if you're in that situation, I think it's common sense at that some point that there are lines that people can't cross: punching someone in the face, slapping them, grabbing them by the hair. Unless it's S and M, that's common. Unless it's S and M, wouldn't S and M in general be a differentiator here? The, even even in that situation. Even in that situation, there's lines that can be crossed. Harming somebody, hurting somebody, beating somebody. It's just common sense, I think. I don't think No, but isn't that part of S and M? I mean, there's different levels of S and M, but there's yeah, definitely but, levels of S and M where people beat each other up. That's that's part of the equation there. I'm not condoning yeah, not, it. I'm just saying that that's a part of S and M. More of a pleasure thing, not it's like a no, S&M is supposed to be pleasure from pain. The more pain that's inflicted for a lot right. of people, that's usually where the pleasure lies. So again, do we have a sexual but double standard but, when it comes to this? But Lev, but Lev, yes. listen, when you, yes. when you get in that situation, it's not like, oh, we agreed. So I'm, now I'm going to take my bat and start beating you to a bloody pulp. We agreed. We agreed. Like, no, it's common sense, dude. You start crossing a certain line, you're crossing that line whether you agreed or not. Okay, there is a line that is... Okay, not a bloody pulp. I agree there. Nobody's going to want to become a bloody pulp. But in terms of very severe kind of beating, and again, I'm never condoning this. I'm not condoning this. I'm just saying in the realm of the S&M world, beatings do. Not that I'm an expert, but I'm just saying, you know, as far as like the whiplash and the high heels and all that, things get pretty grisly, right? So I'm just saying that so, what exactly I, is the limit here? That's why I said I it. I think there's a... I think I think there's a very elegant sorry Neil to interrupt, but I think there's a very elegant self-limit to this where if you had actually quite strict laws against, you know, these these types of things and it was very taboo to do stuff like this, it'd probably make it more sexually exciting to do it, which maybe even make like lesser behaviors more exciting and all these types of things. So I think um I 
think fundamentally like the conversation is not like <laughs> all right how do we define the boundaries around bdsm or something like that i think fundamentally it comes down to the cultural powers around you know the, the male and female roles and how how the sexes are working together look i, I want to let neil talk because i don't want to interrupt because i've ranted for loads of stuff but i can sort of uh, mm-hmm. give you my take on that in a bit and there's also a comment uh, before yeah, no, Neil just... responds from a Skef. I just want to say this comment from Skef. He says, Neil, the woman getting smacked in the video, have herself made two videos defending Tate, explaining it was consensual and that she wanted it. I want to see the video. I haven't seen that video, so I'm not saying that that is the uh, case yet. But anyway, go on. Yeah, I mean, that, that uh, leads me to the question, how do you end up in a situation like that where, you know, you're, I mean, there's, it's, the uh the mind man like people get into relationships and they defend people who you know really do them harm it happens i like you said i don't know the details about that so i'm not gonna like like get too much into that but to get just to get back to the question of like that sort of mentality and like how much can you get away with or i think this falls into tate's current situation being in jail for human trafficking and him talking about how he fled the West to get away from Me Too-ism. And his brother Tristan tweeting, hey, 30's the year you could finally bang people half your age. Like the mentality behind that, I don't care. We can, we can pick apart little details. Which was he, was he right to do this? Was he right to do that? I'm talking about the big, big picture as a whole. The big picture as a whole, I think there's something, something dark and something really not role model going on there the opposite of that and, and it was come back to the question is he a good is he a good person is he a role model i think that the, i think these things tell us that the answer is no in you know if he if he if he wears that on his sleeve okay fine if he wants to be like you know i'm i'm the pimp i'm the man i'm the fine roll that wear that on your sleeve but that doesn't make you a good person or a good role model you're just not that period you know, Lev, do you want me to give any thoughts on that, or, or do you want absolutely to go for it? Yeah. Frame? Uh, the only thing that I would add here is we um, have a oh, yeah. Go on, go on. You sure? Do you want to say it? No, go on. All right. Uh, so, I guess look, the thing I keep coming back to because he's you know, going around acting like an absolute mad lad cowboy, even the way he talks about these things. Like I remember hearing him talk about Sweden before and he was sort of saying that he shows up in Sweden. Like if you go to Russia, he goes to Russia and he tries to pull a Russian model, you know, and all the Russian men will like give him eyes and he'll be sort of worried when he's in the club that they'll take him out back and the bouncer will beat him up and all this type of stuff. And it's like the Russian men are defending their girls. You know, they're defending their girls from this foreigner, this American. And of course, like maybe this foreigner will take them off and, you know, seduce her and then bewitch her and then start to just throw, throw open a fucking webcam or something like that and start making, turn her into a cash cow, you know? So the Russian dudes are out there making sure that like just this weirdo is not going to get, get like he's just not going to get it. And Tate speaks very honestly about how he respects that. And then he speaks about the Swedes and he's like, they're fucking bitches. They're cucks, man. I hate them. 
I don't respect them is maybe a better word. And why is that? It's because you can walk into Sweden and everybody in Sweden is very tolerant and girls are allowed to just, you know, hang out with all these random tourists coming in. And so Tate just walks in, him and Tristan, and they go and they find some dumb blonde and they start chatting her up and all this type of stuff. And then they bring them off. And then all the Swedish guys just sit there holding their dicks, doing nothing about it because, you know, they're, they're spineless because the culture has taught them to be spineless. And it's like, all right, being realistic, even the church had problems with this back in the day. Things like prostitution, these things tend to show up. These things are going to be in culture. There's going to be horrible abusers. There's going to be stuff like this. And how do you make sure that, the, like, overall, there's, it's almost like you're kind of trying to create a body, and instead of doing surgery all the time, you're trying to set up an immune system so the body naturally defends itself. Well, this would be the question of culture. This would be the question of, right, do you have a strong cultural instinct? Do you have a strong instinct of self-preservation? Do you have strong dudes who actually fight for their territory and fight for the things that they believe in and love? And that would be, for example, their women. Like, how do you get stuff like this to work? How do you get the families to have strong father and, and mother figures so that, like, most girls would just see the idea of putting their fucking tits on webcam as ludicrously stupid? And just like nothing that like, just what am I doing? Like, you know, I'm never going to do that. It's just not going to happen. That'd be like, you know, being well raised, you know, being able to avoid these type of things. Cause I've met, I met loads of girls all the time. And I hear this conversation about, Hey, it's a bad dude, all this type of stuff. I've met loads of girls. I met some doctor there a while ago. She was in school to study in medicine, really well-bred family, really good looking girl. And she met some circus dude. And he, you know, he, fucked her well, seduced her, brought her out of the family. He's like 14 years older than her. And he started, he brought her and he started introducing her into the circus and all this type of stuff. And he persuaded her to drop out of her medical career and go and join the circus. <laughs> and then he ditched her because he found another girl. And now she's dropped wow. out of her fucking medical career. And I like, when I'm hearing this, I'm just thinking her dad's a bitch, man. Her dad's a weak, like he's a spineless cook, man. How does he let that happen? You know, like how does he hear of this 34 year old, take his 18 year old daughter stick his dick inside of her and then bewitch her into doing such a stupid decision. She could have such a nice life and now she's going off taking drugs in the circus, probably, you know, racking up all the random fucking sex with all these random dudes with no career prospects for the rest of her life, washing herself up. It's like, bro, I don't know. Like, you know, Tay, Tay taking advantage people that's terrible this dude taking advantage of people that's terrible but like there's no there's no counter force to put a, a halt on these type of dudes and it comes from general weak weirdly is what tate is promoting it's like tate gets that he's the bad guy and he's showing up as the bad guy and saying here maybe you need to be a bit more like me in order to get rid of motherfuckers like me it's sort of like a sort of the joker in dark knight or some shit like this sort of saying like i'm the, i'm the one that you i'm the the energy that you're looking for or something like this and there's definitely truth to that yeah, I don't know. How, how, I'm not sure how much time we have left, but I think this whole entire di discussion at the bottom of it, if we just pick off the layers of this onion at the bottom and this core of it is this whole red pill, blue pill, red pill philosophy uh, mindset. Would you agree on that? I mean, that thing, that's where this that's that's where we really got to like test these hypotheses out at. Like this is where this is where the test needs to be done. You know what I mean? Well, maybe. And also, uh, it depends what you mean by that. But go on. You, you tell me your thoughts. Yeah. You tell me your thoughts. Go ahead, Lev. What did you say? Well, Neil, I was you just going to say, I think that you were <laughs> noticing. You were. I know. That's all right. You were noticing that uh, Steph has been going into more of the uh, base and trad pill, base and red pill direction as of late. Would there be anything that you would want to say, Neil, yeah. as far as like certain things that you've noticed that may have perturbed you a little bit by going in that direction? No, I, I've noticed it. 
um i i, I you know i i i have to, i i always wonder what people what is so attractive about that my that worldview where it's sort of um like i i don't like i i really don't i used to i came out of that not too long ago i mean i was i came i i, I think what made me sort of go in the opposite direction was just be like meeting people and be, becoming more social with people on different world di with different like lifestyles for example like become like knowing someone who's trans for example knowing somebody who's whatever and we just have regular people that are just like me and you and i don't know the whole red pill world it seems to be a lot more See, it seems to be like at the bottom of it, there's sort of like a deep bigotry of people who are not like a certain way, like manly or, you know, that type of thing. What do you, you know what I mean? I do. I do. And I, I like, man, we definitely get into this because it'd be a very interesting conversation. And by all means, just like challenge everything I say, because I think it'd be really useful to just like really flesh it out. But um, on the simplest level, the problem with because I guess you're presenting yourself as having a liberal attitude towards the world. I don't actually mean that politically. I mean that you like you're just genuinely open open minded. If some sure. dude shows up and he's trans or girl or whatever fuck you call them and they're trans, you're not going to be like fuck you. You can't be trans. You're just sort of be like, oh whatever. You're cool. Yeah, you're cool. All right, we're cool then. This type of thing. Now, you know that's I'm actually very like that as well. Like I'm. You know, I have no problem with pretty much anybody. I'll chat to anybody. I love, like, I'm very open, creatively minded. So I love hearing about crazy shit and all this type of stuff. But there's a problem where the, when you're liberal, you don't tend to establish boundaries and standards. You don't set, tend to assert um, reality that well. And in fact, what I notice is an awful lot of men, when they attach to liberal worldviews or liberal perspectives or a liberal attitude towards the world, they express their masculinity through their liberal bigotry, I guess is what you would call it. Now, I don't want to get too technical, but I, I want to try to bring it down to something that we can maybe relate on a little bit. Sure. And what, what happens with this is that it doesn't help you reinforce what you are. It makes you open to everything except for understanding what you are. So, for example, I'm a bloke. I'm a dude. I've got a dick. I've got testosterone running through my veins. Like, you know, I've got blood pumping through me. I've got hormones. And I'm built for a very specific purpose. Like, I'm built to purpose to breed, to make it, to make more children, all these type of things. I'm built to gather resources and win. I'm built to cre create things. I'm, I'm built to Im impose my, my life and myself upon the world. And I have a set of instincts inside of me that actually drive me to do this. In some sense, this is what my soul is. I've got a masculinized soul. Because this is what my soul is pumped through all day, every day. This is what I'm distracted by. I've got arrows for some hot fucking chick or something like this. I've got desires to achieve all these types of things. And men, like, men are very complicated. So it's not just like we're a walking dick or something like that. But that's a very simple way you can understand it. And the thing is, is that you have to learn to listen to that. You have to learn to understand that. You have to learn to actually embrace that. And understand that that masculine soul of yours is righteous before almost anything else now there's a problem in our society where our society is quite effeminized it's quite you could even say it's it's like liberal and effeminate and feminism and all these types of things have married together to create this really weird civilized cuck society which is 
demoralizing towards the masculine instincts because and it makes sense you can't have julius caesars everywhere it's just simply not possible so you actually need most men to restrict their instincts quite significantly in order for society to be somewhat functional you know you don't want everybody fighting on the streets you need somebody laying down pavement and stuff like this and, and doing all these types of things and that's a very big problem because you as a dude are going to have these instincts but you're not allowed to express them out in the world and society is going to then try civilize you and castrate you a little bit. And maybe we've gone, we've over civilized. And so we've got this problem where most dudes can't express their instincts. They're not able to, they're actually like, it's gotten so symbolically interesting that young kids are going into schools now and they're getting castrated. Literally, they're getting put on hormones that are turning off their testosterone faculties. But who, and they're getting let me jump in there. Okay. Cause I'm like you, I'm a male, I'm a straight male. And I do my own, I have my own desires and I, I go after those desires. That's me. Like, I know if you talked about yourself, what about other people though? I mean, is it, do you think it's society making them this way or is society gotten to a place where become, because we're more accepting of these ideas, more people are not hiding anymore. Whereas the ancient world, people will just keep that shit bottled up for their entire lives and have a shitty marriage and beat their wife or something because they're really gay or something. Or, I mean, but even, and I noticed you talk about, like, not everyone can be like Julius Caesar, but you do have people like Hadrian, who has an open relationship with a male boyfriend. He's the head of the world. He's the Roman emperor. You have El Gobulus, who is trans. I mean, that was okay. I think, and this is a whole other topic, but I think something happened, Christianity, and we, it made it not okay for to have those type of to, to have that lifestyle where it used to be okay. The Spartans were all gay. I mean, like there was it was okay to be like whoever you want. You be who you are, and you let other people be who they are too. Like I'm, I mean, like you're male, you're straight, you like women, do your thing. No one's telling you that you have have to be gay. No one's telling you. To yeah, but the Spartans yourself. were also no not pansies. Hormones. Someone else, right? That matters. Yeah, so that what? matters and, because and, if what, the Spartans. No, because I think mean? I think what people are I think what people are concerned about is not so much who has sex with who, but are we able to maintain civilization to a certain degree before it just all comes you coming know, down because nobody's minding the ship anymore? I think that's more what people are concerned you know, about inside. You know, in Athens, you know, do you, do you know that in Athens, like the line of Socrates, Parmenides, uh, Plato, Aristotle, it was not only common but it was like completely normal that when you had a new new student young 18 20 year old student who came to learn under your wing you probably had a sexual relationship with that person it was just completely 100 normal in that in that world it's not yeah like but that that's anymore. not but that's not now, what we know them for but that's no but this is an important thing we don't know them but specifically not, I, for I, that they brought so much no, 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 very me, good things you're, to you're right though yeah you're right you're right though you're right let me finish my point okay people who are gay people who are trans people who are whatever they, they do they that's who they are that's their life we shouldn't know them for that either though their ideas should be bigger than that right we shouldn't even the conversation should be who they are what they do what they bring to society not yes. what they who they fuck and that that's not sense? the case right now that's that's what um, i think people well, have a trouble with we got off we got off we got off we got off, we got a little steered off direction because i was just using examples i wasn't i don't care about the grease that much right now my question is for right now what do you, Steph? What do you think about people like you're? You're straight male. You have you like women. You do your no, nobody's stopping you from that. Someone else might not have that. Someone else really. I mean, do you think they're 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 not being genuine? Do you think they're they're being misled? Do you think it's society that makes them that way? That might be where we disagree on. 
Because I don't think that's the case. Yeah, so this is a question of, of exceptions versus uh, rules or generalizations and the importance of generalizations. So if you're dealing with like, you know, we're going to be the wise priests here. And we're going to say, how are we going to organize our populations? You know, there's going to be some people who are just crazy and interesting and unique individuals. That's going to be 1%. It's like dealing with people with IQ, you know, it's going to be very small. They're going to be outliers, as we say. And um, the, the bulk, though, is not going to be like that. The bulk of people are going to have male and female instincts. They're going to they're right. going to be representations of nature. Now, right. when we're constructing our culture and our education systems and our society, the purpose of that is to try to manifest those instincts in the most intelligent way possible, meaning we don't castrate those instincts. We don't misdirect those instincts, but instead we direct them. We don't let them to go too crazy by themselves. We do them. We channel them so that they lead to creativity and success long term for the people and stuff like this. Now, what we have in Western society is a celebration of the exceptions at the expense of the rule. So we have this talk going on now where it's like the transgender and the, the gays is the most important thing ever because this is and you know and the, like all this crazy stuff where this is the big topic of conversation it's like listen we've gotten so far in that direction now that we're actually starting to lose touch with the core driving masculine powers for most people so a young dude goes into school now like i didn't have this but a young dude goes into school now and he will sit through classes where they will try to persuade him that he is the wrong sexuality and they'll try to persuade him to do transitional biological interventions onto his onto his onto his own body and changes hormones and stuff like this do you really think that's the case that's evidentially happening all across the world there is copious amounts we can go to sit down here and start digging through articles because kids because i would argue that it's not that they're forced they're not making people or trying to force them to switch they're being more accepting of the idea of being able to do that they look i still maybe small percentage that do that like uh what's his name um i forgot who it was recently it was like oh it was um the hell is his name that the daily wire guy who made the movie ben shapiro no the guy who made the movie what is a woman mm. uh, walsh. Matt walsh. Matt walsh. Matt walsh. walsh came went on joe rogan and was like there's hundreds of thousands of tr- child tr- uh, children transitioning this year and then they fact checked him it was like it was like 1300 or something it was like something so small it was like less than one percent of what he claimed so i think there's a little misconception there so many people are being forced to do this 1300 isn't small that society is saying this is an option now i wouldn't say 1300 is small small. if that's the uh if that's the the number for a population of million hundred half a billion people like you know what i mean (laughs) whatever well anyways but that, that's what okay. I think that's what we disagree on. You you think society is pushing people in that direction? Well, I was saying that society is being more open to and allowing of it. I, w- I would um I will I would present to you a case that it is. I think it's quite persuasive and convincing that it is, and I also think it's quite persuasive and convincing that that's a bad thing. So first of all, um, this is not happening in an echo chamber. So we'll go with the idea that it's only thirteen hundred, you know, which sounds small, but this is for people cutting their own genitals off. So this is them. Fully denying children, nature. Specifically children, not everyone. Specifically okay. children. Okay. So that, that is quite extreme, even though it is very small. It is quite extreme. Now, it's like in boxing. You know, how many people die a year from boxing? Very, very few. But, you know, maybe it's like four. But then there's probably 15,000 who get uh, concussions. 15,000 get permanent brain damage. And then like 100,000 who get concussions. And then there's like a million people who compete or something like this. So you start off with a small sample size, but there's this sort of, it's like a comet, you know, there's a tail effect that's going on. 
So if we're convincing, maybe convincing strong, but if there's 1300 people going through a procedure that's biologically altering, how many people are then on hormone introductions and all this type of stuff? How many people are receiving perspectives and worldviews that are changing their opinions about their own masculinity and convincing them, for example, to experiment with homosexuality, which is a very extreme thing to do when you think about it, because it might then change your perception of your own gender and stuff like this and your own attitudes towards yourself. And then tailing off after that, how many people are getting effeminized in a general way, in a way that's negative, or their, their, their instincts are getting challenged or something like this. This is actually happening to both men and women. Women are sort of being told not to be women. Men are being told not to be men. And what you get now is a much, much broader effect. You might have maybe 1,300 children uh, going through surgeries, but you probably have multiple millions who are getting dramatically affected by the general ideas that are getting suggested with this type of stuff. Now, you could say then that that's happening in isolation and it's just that we're open to this possibility. But I think across the board, we see manifestations of anti-life, anti-instinct, anti-nature perspectives. For example, our testosterone is dropping, as the meme is often talked about. You see gender roles getting demoralized all across schools and um, all across uh, education systems. I went through it myself when I went through the education system. You see, um, for example, this stuff is the lead. It is not you, you don't go into college and have people sit down and explain to you what ma a masculine role is. Instead, you go in and you receive the criticism of your your own gender and you're told to actually begin by entertaining the alternate perspective this is the first principle that is established i went into college nobody ever told me what the western canada is they just told me how to critique it they told me about deluge and marx but they didn't tell me about plato and all these types of characters you go in and i learned about judah butler which is feminist theory and the beginning of queer theory and stuff like this they never sat down and explained to me you know you could say this sort of masculine perspective like what it means to be a man and stuff like this or what it means to be a woman instead you were given these things as first principles and this happens all the way up into the into the career and into the even the cultural world. You know, it's like a big part of this type of stuff. Overwhelmingly, we're in this position where our first of all, generally our instincts are getting told that they're bad and we should be the opposite of what we are. This is generally anti-nature, which is leading to it to be quite anti-life, which is I would call Nietzschean nihilism. And what this leads to is this general lack of spine, lack of balls, lack of testicles in the males of the population, and then sterility and lack of femininity in the females of the population, quite a lot of unhappiness, depression rates going skyrocketing right now for them, coming from these fundamental mistakes going on in the structure of society and the culture that we promote. And then what you see is weakness, especially in the males, as a consequence. And this is why you have somebody like Tay. He's showing up in this big malaise, and he's going and he's just be representing somebody who listened to his instincts with no boundaries whatsoever there was no men to stop him he just kept on buying more cars exploiting anybody and anyone he could to win he was out there to win and he represents what happens when you just listen to your fucking balls a little bit and actually go for something like that and maybe too far it was like the way that in the ancient ancient greece they aries was a valuable part of society but they all hated him because he was a fucking thick testosterone fueled roid-headed bodybuilder who fought everybody they hated him, but they knew that he was important. And so he was contextualized within the society. Tate's very, very similar to that. You know, he's, he's a crazy dude, bombastic, bad, but he's actually representative of something basically all of the West has lost, which is their balls, their ability to stand up for themselves, ability for men to be territorial, to be full of testosterone, decide what they want, to be strong in this most fundamental level. The Spartans used to say, um, strength is the foundation of all virtue. You can't have any other ones other than that. So, I think on a very strict note, the idea of the transsexuals or the gays, all this type of stuff, it's like, 
literally whatever about that that's an exception that's getting presented as super dominant you might disagree with that point but i think that's quite overwhelming from my perspective a lot of people saying yeah no I, I i agree with you that it's not that it's not the dominant it's not like more people are not straight more most people are straight whatever male female whatever mostly that's what most people are but it's not that it's unnatural or people who have their other the, the people are who they are and they're that's just they're, they're, it's not they're not a choice do you, do, do you think that's the case or do you think, do you think it's a choice let me just ask you that um again i want to actually double stress on the thing that you're suggesting that all right these people whatever way they're made formed all these type of things they're exceptions you know it's like it, it's incredibly unwise to base our thinking, our first principles on exceptions. We should be looking at the general rule and saying to ourselves, what are we dealing with generally here? We're dealing with men and women. That's what most people are like. We should be structuring things like our education systems and our culture and our attitudes towards maximizing what they are. We do the opposite. This is why we're running into an awful lot of issues. This is the cause as far as I see. And then the red pill, to bring it back to that, is... Sure. A young dude goes and he goes on the internet and Rolo Tomasi has wrote this book saying everything that you've been told about how to deal with women, how to have sex and all this type of stuff. Like he says to them, why were you the nice guy who treated her equally and listened to her and bought her flowers? Why did she get, why did she fuck some other dude in your bed who's a dickhead drug addict or something like this? Why did she fuck some Andrew Tate in her bed and go and go and webcam for him? Why did that happen? And he's explaining it to you is because your masculine instincts have not been explained to you properly. You've been sold a wrong narrative about the world. That is true. That does happen. And that's the reason why people get drawn to that type of stuff. And a big obstacle to this is we're trying to make exceptions, putting it in front of young boys who don't need that stuff. You know, some people need that stuff. It's like in ancient Greece to be some dude and he'd be very effeminate. Young talks about this. He'd be very effeminate. And he's like, Jung would call it the anima problems. And he'd be maybe like a naturally prone artist. And he'd be sort of very sensitive and very caught up in his feelings and stuff like this. And he might be a dude that nowadays would turn gay. But maybe back in ancient Greece, they take him and they see that he's just a very intelligent individual, might have proclivities towards homosexuality or something like this. But then they'd maybe develop him into a fantastic artist. And they'd mm -hmm. bring or out a, this or very a shaman. person, a very unique person. But they would have to... Well, if he was in ancient Greece, he he probably would just have a boyfriend. Just I, I recommend I recommend you watch that video, Link, I mean, because that's that, that's. If you ever read the uh, Diogenes Laterius, the life of the life of the philosophers, in in there when he talks about Socrates, he talks about I, Socrates I being the beloved of uh, Archelaus, who was his teacher. I mean, this we we can go we can I can go up for no, examples upon Greece, an example. But what but this the only reason why I'm bringing that up the, the, not to say that look how look they did it we should too. The only, the only reason I'm bringing that up is because when you don't even have restrictions or focus on, on those things and you allow people to be who they are, it becomes an afterthought. I think the discussion should be you fuck who you want, be identify as what you want, and just let it, everyone else be mm. who they want to. But and maybe it, it becomes be – it shouldn't – that's my opinion. Maybe it becomes an afterthought yeah. in a couple of decades because you are right in that for a long time we have been living under these very rigorous uh, rules when it comes to what is or is not allowed in public. But one thing that I would add to that is if we are given a certain amount of time and 
eventually it's just going to become boring. You know, like, it's going to become boring. They have, oh, my God, you're gay, so what? You know, and that's already a thing happening with gay people, but now trans is the new thing. Right, and so sure. and so eventually, well, if that, everything just gets boring, then we can move on to something more productive. Right, and that's, that was my that was my question for Sedak. I just remembered this. What do you think becomes an issue of society saying, be who you are, transition, do whatever you want? What are the bad side effects of that? What do you think? Like, that's, that's the question, I think. It's a fundamental denial of the way the world works. It's a lie, fundamentally. Like, if you turn around to a kid and you're like... Isn't it a lie? Somebody who bottles in their emotions and pretends to be straight when they're not? Isn't that a lie? So I'll, I'll get, get into all this stuff now. So if you turn around to a kid and you say to the kid, you can eat as much chocolate as you want. You, you know, your, your, your passions for chocolate are... And like, just go, here's all the chocolate. And like, that kid will end up diabetic and fat. You know, so what you do is you... Imp- pose restrictions on the kid and you say you are not built to eat chocolate sorry you fuck eat the potatoes there's some cabbage there's some meat deal with that now what's going on there is you're imposing upon upon the kid a a sort of order you're imposing upon him a a reality you're actually disciplining the kid to objective truths about what he is in order for him to be happier and be stronger and be healthier and if you give the kid the chocolate like he'll become unhealthy become sickly become weak he become decrepit and fundamentally when you're dealing with people in a general sense we have biological realities a man or i should actually say a boy is going to live a male life a hero's journey a standardized way of living this is a unified Jungian archetypal experience that most men are going to go through most men are going to go through there are exceptions like Lev was saying the shaman you know the sensitive maybe homosexual what we call them now but they might have been shamanic in the past or something like this or sensitive oracles or whatever it is there are those exceptions but but the rule is very, very important to understand because the rule is what leads to the health and success of the society. You need to get that right. And so you take these people in, and this is like really important to do right. You, like all religious systems would have this stuff installed in it. Before things like Christianity, you go back to the ancient tribes and they would have initiation rites, which was about invoking within the men brutal fear it was about stimulating inside of them their their bravery their masculinity they were about about teaching them that you're not like the women you're not like everybody else in the tribe they would take the, the men would go in and take the kid beat the fuck out of them and say you're not like them they have been lying to you the whole time you're now one of us and they would take them outside the tribe bring them into the hunting world and teach them about the real world and teach them how to murder and kill and teach about danger and stuff like this things that the women and the priests inside this tribe would never never learn and the men's path is fundamentally a different narrative now the women would have to get a different story the women would start bleeding randomly and their mums would have to come in and sit down them maybe the shaman or the priest would say listen you're a fucking girl like you're going to be forced do this for so many years of your life and then it's going to stop and to be some myth that would explain this and this is them getting in biology imposed upon them restrictions imposed upon them now they don't sit down with the girl and say you can be whatever you want you can decide you can just let your mind imagine whichever you are she's like this is the life path that you have and they would do the same with the boys this is the initiation into this archetypal hero's journey that you have this is the life path that you're going to follow now that's the general path that's the archetype that's the stereotype whatever you want to call it it's very stupid to try pull that away without very good reason. Who's saying we're pulling that away, though? What I'm saying is, I can see what you're pointing at as far as evolution goes. How that would be, how that would work in certain time periods of human evolution. But in a post Enlightenment society where we, where we are today, what what I'm saying is, we're not I'm not trying to pull people away from being straight. I'm saying 
let people be who they are. And the question is, why let somebody live a lie and say you have to be straight when they don't feel that way and they literally don't feel that way? That's not who they really are. No, why should they live a lie? I don't think you're representing what I'm saying here because I can imagine, right? First of all, I'm not, you're not, you're not, you're not going into class. You're not going into the, the society and saying you're straight. You're actually going in and saying you're a man, you're a woman, you're going to go into these two paths. So there's already a distinction going on here. Sure. Now, second of all, you'd have many priests, you would have many wise people around who would be very aware of the characters in front of them and they would be picking out special children all the time. You know, this leads to all sorts of problems like abuse, but it also there's wisdom in it. The Catholic Church in its structure was designed to find characters like exactly what you're saying and take them up into its infrastructure and turn them into um, men of knowledge. You know, you would have an effeminate guy who's probably a homosexual nowadays and he would, he, they, they, you know, you'd notice, you'd know he's gay, you'd know there's something up with him. But back then, they didn't have conceptual language for this. So they would look at him and they would say, well, this is a sort of womanly little boy. He's a girly little boy. He hangs out with the girls and all this type of stuff, whatever reason that's happening. And they would take him into the priesthood and they might do terrible things to him. They might abuse him. But there, were, there was definitely situations where there was wise priests who would teach him something like your sexual desires are something you're going to conquer. You're now going to become a celibate. And then they would turn him into some type of man of knowledge and stick him in a monastery and get him to write books or something like this. And this is very difficult for us to conceptualize because we have all these like stories that we tell ourselves about uh, church abuse and all this but this was this natural institution or this old institution dealing with this problem that we're talking about now it had a way of integrating the exceptions in ancient greece was the same thing the majority of people would follow the myths of the genders and it's very important that that stays stable and people don't try to fuck with that stuff without very very good reason and then they would have had the philosophers the circle of philosophers who would have been doing pederasty and stuff like this and they might have been noticing very talented or specific children and taking them into mentorship situations and all these type of things and maybe that was the expression of that same thing now in our day we've lost sight of the general foundational principles and we're going on these radical experiments one of them being suggesting that everybody needs to be granted this limitless freedom to just be whatever they want when in practicality what we're seeing now is that it's not working women are ending up on webcams by people like Andrew Tate. That's what's happening. Because this is what eventually mm -hmm. the, the grades down into is that people need paths to follow. Some exceptional people can think for themselves, can become creative. And you need to create structure for this. Again, to go back to old institutions, the Catholics set up the university system. Outside of the church, there was the university system. This was the instincts okay. inside man to deal with these problems. Let the me... university system was about finding all the high IQ people, sucking them up all throughout Europe, teaching them all Latin so they could all talk together. Like jump. this fucking Illuminati among them all. Yeah. You know, and this is this is how these things would happen. Let me jump in on that real quick. Okay, this is Pliny the Elder's Natural History. It was written in the 70s of the first century. Basically, and he gives two 70s. examples, two examples of trans people in this time. He says, it is no fable that females may be turned to males. And he says that somebody named Castinium was a maid and became a boy. And then he says another person named Arescia was a woman and she later had a beard and became a man. Okay, why did I bring that up? Because this was normal in this time period. It wasn't frowned upon. Nobody cared. Hadrian, uh, Trajan, or Hadrian had a boyfriend. Elagabalus in the year one or 200 had it, was, a, was a trans Roman emperor leading armies into battles. Nobody cared. Nobody cared. Dr dressed completely as a woman. And um, wanted to be called a woman, too. Actually was willing to pay somebody infinite amount of gold to get rid of his male member. Anyways, why did I bring all that up? Well, the Catholic Church comes along. Okay. okay, the world, the West becomes Christianized. 
all this stuff becomes taboo, becomes wrong, becomes evil. What happened is the world, the, the Christian Catholic <clears throat> Greek Orthodox Lutheran world that we became, let, let's, let's, let's go, I don't know, 15th century. Let's just, whatever, let's pick something. 15th, 16th century. The world that that world was, everybody had their preconceived notions of what you are. You, you're a man, you do this, you join the army, you go to church, you're a woman, you do this, you have kids, you stay at home, you cook. It's fine for most people. Most, like the majority of people are completely fine with this lifestyle. But there is a percentage of people who are living a damn lie. They're playing characters. That's not who they are. They want to be something else. And we got into a point today now where people are allowed to be who they are. The the church up and down system, caste system basically, was was role-playing. It was fake. It was a fake world. The king can do whatever he wants. The the earl, the Jarl of this place, uh, the Duke of whatever, Bohemia, he does this. Everybody has their role in society. Now we have a world where you don't have that role in society. You become who you want to become. You can start a business. You can get a job. You can go on YouTube. You can do we live in a free society now. And I think as a result of that, allowing people to have whatever beliefs of or, or, or to decide who they want to be identity wise, there's I don't see any problem with it. I don't see any downside of allowing that. And I don't think now you might disagree with this part. I don't think people are being forced or being convinced they should change their gender or be gay. I think that's just that's just happening now because people are because it's accepted. You know what I mean? I understand, understand completely. Like I would, I would disagree on those fundamental points. I think this is just a question of like you're gonna have to go and read some articles and see do you do you believe me, and then I'll have to go and check out what's going on on the other end. But um, like I I do think there's an overwhelming push in the education system to uh, I keep on describing it, um, suggest the exception instead of the rule. There's 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 definitely in my mind, and I think a lot of people would agree with me, a bias against the natural gender forms and natural expressions of those genders, a general bi uh, bias against the instincts, and a promotion of things like LGBT, mm -hmm. unique niche identities, stuff like this. There's We're putting the cart before the horse, or better let yet, we're putting the exception instead of the rule. We're taking things that do show up in all of societies, and we're suggesting that these are some, somehow a representation of liberalism and our expression of freedom and all these type of things. Where this is, is it's crazy. Like you know, take for example a more sophisticated view of freedom. If you go in and you're a, a championship boxer, you don't go into a boxing ring and just say, "Do whatever you want, bro." Your coach comes in and says, "You're an idiot. Put your hands up. You put your hands up. Punches in your face. Hurt your nose." And he teaches you form. You know, he teaches you structure. He teaches you order. He imposes reality upon yourself. And the will to power within man, the true liberal energy, the Nietzschean liberal, the creator, the overcomer, learns these fundamental patterns. He begins as the camel, as Nietzsche said. And then eventually he starts to develop the capacity to express himself properly. He becomes a good boxer. Then he becomes the lion, as Nietzsche said. Now, this is a lot. This is 10 years of work. 10 years of fucking dedicated work. He becomes actually competent at doing what his coach tells him, following the fucking rules, not being able to express himself. He's a slave before he can become free. And then what happens is once he gets good at being the lion, eventually his coach starts to say, you know, I don't even have that much to teach you anymore. You're like, I can only be this sort of mentor from a distance, but now you're sort of able to do what you want. And so you see like Roy Jones Jr. They drop his hands. He becomes more free. He becomes liberated. He becomes like the child. He starts to play around. He starts to have a little bit more fun and he's dangerous now. He's got the fundamentals holding him together and these fundamentals, this foundation has allowed him to blossom and express himself freely. This is a true path towards finding yourself and it imposes 
problems and standards upon you that are very, very difficult. This is like the individualism that people don't want to talk about. You deciding in your mind that you want to just make a decision on these types of things is not following that path at all. It's very, very arrogant. And people who tell you this are actually lying to you about the challenge of discovering who you are, going through the individuation process, figuring out who you are as an individual. In general, it's probably better for most people to follow some type of set pattern and then over time discover that they need to branch out in a different direction. You know, because at least that way you're going to lead, lead to far fewer mistakes and at least get good fundamentals put into most people. But instead, we have this attitude of the exceptions make the rule. We put the car before the horse. We want to get to the end goal without doing any of the work. And I think that's just a fundamentally incorrect uh, position. It's not wise. It doesn't lead to good educational outcomes. It doesn't lead to good development outcomes for people. And I think the best evidence for this is people like Andrew Tate getting such a huge following from the masculine youth because he's speaking in a more simple way that they're not hearing. So they get gravitated towards this. They think he's a martyr now. They think he's some type of fucking, you know, John Lennon or something like this, because he's going out and saying, you know, don't let people cut your dicks off and don't take shit from your female teachers and all this shit like this. And it's like, you know, that's, that's like the shadow coming in, completely balancing it the other side because we're in such denial of that. And that's like, you know, we have to take responsibility for that. If we had our education system structured more fundamentally and everybody was like a man, People would probably be like, well, whatever. Yeah, bro. Yeah, cool. Like, you know, I've heard it all before. Like, I know, you know, I'm a man. I know what I am. I don't need to learn it, learn about it off you. Like, we're going in a different direction here, you know? I think 1950s America would have just ignored Andrew Tate. We're like, yeah, whatever, bro. Like, yeah, nice, cool. Before you know, we, uh, Neil replies. Space because they would have had more foundations in place. Uh, before uh, Neil replies, I just wanted to Go read on, off of uh, this over here. I got a message from a very wealthy guy I know who's um, um, divorced now. He has kids, and he was talking about the experiences that, that his kids have had in school. So he writes over here, My daughter is 12, and she has always asked her pronouns, and her teacher scolded her when she overheard. This is in New York City, by the way. Uh, scolded her when she overheard her using a slang phrase with one of her friends. I don't know what this means. It's giving that she claimed was cultural expropriation. Uh, so be careful never to cook pizza or play Bach. You are not Austrian or Italian. These people are so utterly provincial. Uh, no retarded, canceled world, uh, word, and I don't give a shit. So that's his attitude right now. He's getting very pissed off at what's going on. And he told me that this other girl who I know, uh, she's uh, a teacher at public school right now. And her black principal accused her of white fragility when she complained of being treated with racial slurs by her black students. And I know that's a separate thing, but I think both of those are examples of there being a system in place right now that really gives kids i wouldn't say that much of a choice as neil was talking about i think it frames things in a very particular way for those kids to then only have a certain amount of decisions to make because if you're looked at negatively for being white if you're looked at negatively for being straight then i think that's going to start pushing you into this uh, other direction as far as what you identify as in order to be safe at least in order to not be uh, castigated by the establishment Uh, Neil, do you want to say anything? I don't. I don't want to interrupt because I was just ranting. I, it was a lot. I, I, you were blo you were breaking up a lot during that. I didn't really. I, I, I kind of got what you're saying, but I don't. I can't really speak on it. I don't know the situation. Like, I can only go off what I know and what I, how I see the world, like what I'm seeing right now. I don't know. I think we disagree. I, I think we we disagree on on is 
is society pushing these things or is people are people coming out and becoming these things because it's more accepting? I think that's where we disagree on. That's where I mean we can go back and forth on that, but it's, that's just where we, I think sure. that's. I'm just trying to find out where the disagreement is, and I think that's what it is. You know, I think you're correct. I think you're correct. You know, and like you know, maybe we won't figure it out today. There's there's no there's no yeah. we don't have to we don't have to get to the roots and all this. There's a lot stuff, more but, uh, BTR streams right. to come. Just to to, to assert the position. Right, right, there right. You go. Um, I I would I would assert the position. That it's I, I guess it's like a question of of. You're trying to develop a people towards success. And you have to do a very complicated job. And I, I think we have a very simplistic attitude in the West right now that we celebrate the exceptions. These people who have interesting identities and strange ways of conducting themselves in the world, LGBTQ, transgender, all sorts of things. And we dispense with the, the, the middle and that's an incorrect educational decision and it's actually not even that um creative in its thinking as well and i look at the traditional cultures as i said the church i know you don't like the church but you could maybe even look at it objectively about it figured out a way to to deal with these very difficult problems in its own restrictive way it was figuring out a way to hoover up the you know the probably the homosexual people and turn them into celebrate priests or something like this you may disagagree with that but it figured out a way to do this the, the greeks were just probably probably true and, and it's it's like it that's that's you need that level of sophisticated thinking where you can account for both the general and the genders and then also the exceptions and put all and then the high iq people the low iq people this is the warriors the priests like this is very complicated and we have this habit of just making everything simple which i think is you know, it's the cardinal signal what, what do you think about the possibility that this just could be this scales tipping and back in another direction that it hasn't been in a while and it's it, it is sort of leaning that way but it's also but ready to just stable back out again because we lived, we had this world, this Western world that was dominated by the church for so, so long, and like I said, you know, individual, you know, sexuality stuff like that was de defined for you for a long time. Now it's not. Now the scales tip the other way. You might, maybe you're right. Maybe we do celebrate uh, people who are, you know, not straight male as much as people who are straight male or whatever. But like maybe that's just how it's tipping right now, and it'll balance out, and everybody's not going to care in twenty years from now or something. Yeah. See. You know? If we're balancing out characters like Tate are a fundamental part of that, and I think people people find that like people do not like that because it balancing out is not going to be enjoyable for most people because it's going to well, sheer I guess my point was I don't see the having an, such a negative impact to celebrate certain types of people who are not necessarily the standard you know straight white male well, that lives in you know if, if you want to go to a very 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 strong position, you could say that it's fundamentally denying nature which is also denying life it's denying the the natural order within people within you could say biological systems which is what people are and because that it's literally at war against life and you could posit that it's how do you say how do you figure it's because i mean like where people if somebody identifies a certain way they can't help that they're attracted to a certain you know whatever whatever the type is that's not that's nat nature can't played out that way that's not fighting nature that is being natural well man's man's mind is capable of doing artificial things it's it's capable of segregating itself from nature and being very creative in its possibilities and that's our strength but that's also our greatest weakness so our liberal free-thinking minds are able to generate possibilities about the world that are not real and we're able to manifest them that can also be it's the promethean problem you know it can also destroy us too we have to be very careful with it what do you mean? No. What do you mean? No. Not real. I just want to. I'm just not. I'm not trying to be like a. 
No, no, I understand. I'm really like, trying to understand what, not, what you mean. I, I would suggest, like, like technically, it'd be abstract. So, if I'm sitting down and I'm some fucking naked grug in the middle of I don't know uh, the the forest, and I'm imagining the future, you think about what's actually happening there. Like I'm saying to myself, like maybe I'm looking at at the the forest in front of me and I see a hut there in the left, or maybe I see uh, me cutting down a tree and shaping a, a spear. None of that stuff is actually there. Right now, it's just a fucking forest with a tree, but I'm imagining possibilities of what could happen. And I might imagine something silly. Like I might, I might imagine like, I don't know, somersaulting rocks or, or like a girl just walks in and, and like starts doing somersaults. Like something's just not going to happen. And so this is my mind deluding me. This is, you know, the schizophrenic hallucination problem. I'm making up realities that are not reality at all. And this power for me to imagine possibilities is the fundamental human trait that makes us able to conquer all the other animals and become the basically the the, the dominators of, of all of life. Um, but it is also the thing that leads us towards the most damage. Another good expression of this is we penetrate into nature and we use this ability to create something like a bomb that is out, like a weird technology that allows us to nuke ourselves and basically destroy the whole earth. Like it's such a surreal thing that we can do. And that's the capacity of our mind to manifest these incredible tools and um, so this faculty within man to think to imagine to dream is very important but it's also very unstable it's you know it's like the superhero problem it's the greatest strength but also the greatest weakness hmm. and to, what was my point what, what was i what was I, what was the context i was bringing that up in oh look my my faculties have left me that's right and uh, um, so Lev, do you remember why I was bringing that up? Because I, I was trying to make a point. I forget what it was. Well, well there's something about yeah. being like, you know, re, what's real, what's not real. Yeah. So why why is that natural? And why is that unnatural? Yeah. yeah so I would say, generally speaking, like, I, like you go out into, all right, generally speaking, I see with an awful lot of these modern movements, a denial of nature fundamentally. Like the whole idea of transhumanism is we're going to defeat biology and overcome life. The whole idea of the gender gender theory is that nature got us wrong. She like we're in our womb, and nature gives us a set of testicles or a vagina, and we come out of the womb, and our minds invent this story in our heads that that's incorrect. Now we say to ourselves that we interpret our feelings to tell us this, but you could also say that your mind has decided that that's wrong. Your creative, imaginative, free thinking mind has now gone to war with the reality, which is your body. And this generally extends to many of these problems where, you know, you have this general anti-life, anti-nature, anti-order, anti-obvious attitude. You have man and woman. Woman, generally speaking, would be seen as having a biological process where she got a womb. All of her hormones, which control a large amount of her mind, is wrapped up with her, her womb, her progesterone, her estrogen systems and whatnot. This is all built around her giving birth to children. The whole meaning of her life is predicated on the legacy she can leave behind. Generally speaking, if you look, find a, a grandmother, her happiness will be correlated to how healthy and strong her grandchildren are and how she can see them all around her. And we go and we tell women to forego that fertile path, that natural process, the womb, and we tell them to put that aside and get them to pursue a career. And we don't, we, we encourage them to to do that and we talked to the deliberation leaving many of them hitting 35 not being as fertile as they used to maybe even having troubles with this type of stuff and not being able to find the men that they used to find and this is them this is us telling a story a dream 
an identity that is at war against life that actually ends up destroying their individual lives and it's too late for them to change it because they went to war against nature. It also destroys the people because now we don't have any children anymore. Fertility rates are going down because of this story. It is anti-life. It is actually nihilistic technically, anti-life, anti-nature, and it's a death cult, which is very strong, but this is this is the, the, the strong position I'm putting forward. The same problem happens then with men because men have natural instincts to be creative, ambitious, to build, to go and fight, compete against one another, assert their status, and then take the best-looking girl off the other dudes so they can breed with her and create strong children and continue to expand their competence and their power. This is the natural male instinct. And actually, these, these instincts are wrapped up with things like territorialism, protecting things, the expression of, you know, um, fighting, this, all these type of things. These things are actually very healthy. This leads to a people being strong, not putting up with bullshit. It actually leads to things like, for example, scientific creativity. It leads to military innovation. Maybe you don't like that type of stuff, but it's part of this as well. Artists have this inside them. There's this masculine energy inside of them. I think Camille Pagulis has a brilliant quote where she says, the reason why there's very few female geniuses is the same reasons why there's very few female Jack the Rippers because it's the extremity inside man that, that kind of drives this type of stuff. But of course, we tell them a story where they are, um, we, we, are, we essentially castrate those instincts out of them. We tell them that, that that story is wrong. You should get in touch with your feelings. You should effeminize. You should explore your feminine side and stuff like this. And we might even say to them that uh, masculinity is evil. I, I would love, there was this Twitter thread recently where there was this leftist woman who explained how she talks to her son. And you read through it and you're like, this dude's going to get bullied. Like, because she's saying to him that he always says sorry at the start of every sentence and stuff like this. Crazy stuff. That's going to make him seem vulnerable and weak. He'll get bullied and his life will become weak. And then the man, he grows up, becomes a man, he's weak. He can't get a, a, a good looking girl because the girl's looking for strength. And then he has all these types of fucking issues. He becomes depressed. Then he starts to, you know, get involved. Like it just, it all falls apart then. He becomes sterile, depressed, turns into a worker drone for, the, for whatever the system is and all these type of things. You see... A denial of these fundamentals lead to a, a strangling of the potential of the people, which leads to a death of the people long term, which is what you're seeing in the West in many metrics. And it comes from this fundamental denial of the, the biological realities that we're made of. So I know some rant. If you sure. have any thoughts. I, I, I don't I think we, I don't see it that way in, in the sense that, you know, we're strangling or castrating men who are straight. And I think men white males or not just white males just any straight male who you know there there are things in society that like they do have their representation in movies and film and music you know there's spider-man and superman and there's manly superheroes and there's tv shows that they're represented fine like they don't it's not like people i don't think society is saying you're, if you're a straight strong male that likes to go to the gym you're bad what i think's happening is is not a negative it's a positive for other people there's more representation for people who aren't that way and it's saying hey you you're this way here's a character in a film that you can identify with now you have a hero to look up to now you have the logos to strive towards does that make sense i don't think that i think i think what you're saying is society is saying if you're if you're uh if you're one of the more common figures white male straight that you're bad. Like I, don't, I just don't see that. I don't think that's what's happening. I understand. I understand. I like. Look, I disagree. I'd say it is happening. But even to to, to steal man your point, okay, um, that's a good point. Like it's sort of like people are not 
not trying to challenge masculinity. They're simply trying to open up the discourse to other possible paths. And they're not being like, you know, fucking totalitarian, like thinking like, like Joe, masculinity is a sausage, a barbecue and a fucking beer. And they're like, I'm a man. And that's the only way you can be in the world. Like, you know, we're trying to avoid stuff like that. And I, I think that's actually true. I'd argue that things like Spider-Man, things like Marvel comics and all this, actually even expressions of the, the kind of beer drinking masculine dad who watches sports these are outlets for masculinity that are not nuanced deep or proper expressions of this because of the society's general spiritual incapacity to properly tell those stories well i think you find much better expressions of masculinity in older stories this is why so many young dudes i talk to don't watch films anymore most of them I don't know watch any films. They all read fucking Achilles and shit like this. And they read about Napoleon because that's that's a superhero, you know. And this is why Tate shows up because he sort of has that real energy to him. You know, as bad as he is, he has that sort of bombastic energy to him that people kind of uh, like to get like fucking Lev. Lev, Lev is a little, Lev's part of the cult, lads. This is what's going on. Um, but in the, and that's missing. And it's, I think it's been sacrificed for the sake of this idea of opening up discourse. And even those aren't that good. I like, I would, again, and this is a very strong position, but I would assert that they're, because they're premised on such an anti-life, anti-nature way of seeing things, most of what they produce is quite shit and sterile and lifeless and lacking spirit. And this is why an awful lot of what this stuff manifests as is like, you know, a, a diversity cast version of the Lord of the Rings or women being the Ghostbusters. And it's like, it's like, you're not, you're not being creative at all because your fundamental pr principles are spiritually nihilistic. You're not creating any interesting new things. You're not showing off any new perspectives. There's actually nothing underneath this. It's all just bunkers. And you've, all you've done is have gotten rid of the true spirit, which is the creative natural spirits, because we get all of our spirit from nature. And instead you've gone on pursuit of this, this delusion of yours, and you've produced pretty much nothing to show for it. Now, there's the rare occasion where something good comes out, but there's a general rule that it does. To give you an example of this, that's very interesting. Fight Club was written by a gay fucking man. And that's a brilliant expression of masculinity. And it's yeah. a brilliant book. And he grew up maybe in a time that was a little bit more restrictive, although it was the kind of a middle point. But this the, is the, the this Matrix is, is written by two trans uh, twins. Did you know that? And, and this up. is this is it. Like when they were more restrictive situation, where the, the, you could say the heteronormative standard was more powerful, they, their creativity shined. Like they were truly talented, and they yeah. produced genius works of art. This is precisely what I mean. Like those characters show up in ancient Greece. Well, they might have been a playwright. Well, that you know, and they might have. This is a good point. Might, Can I just jump in real quick? Because you mentioned Achilles, right? You mentioned Achilles. Achilles is in a relationship with Pat Patroclus, and Achilles is a manly warrior who goes out and kills people and cuts people's heads off and then goes back to his tent with his boyfriend. That's a representation of a real person that could, that could exist right now. Just doesn't like, you don't, people are so widely diverse in who they are and how they, how they articulate themselves and what they're into. I mean, right. I, I agree. Now, all right, two things. First of all, I think an awful lot of the stories about the Greeks being gay is pretty much completely incorrect. And if you go back to Greeks, and I'm well, going to yeah. and I'll send you, I'll send you a yeah, don't, it's not, Gay is not even a thing. It's just people, you know? But yeah. Well, they're yeah, very but, Apollonian. Like, for example, That's probably Patrick a better word. And, uh, Achilles. 
Yeah, maybe they maybe they're benders or something like this. What, what would they call it? They had some word that was close to like. Uh, I mean, they, the, they, they had representations. Apollo and Dionysus both have their sec their homosexuality going on. Zeus and Zeus and uh and get Ganymede. Ganymede, Zeus, yeah. Seas, Ganymede. Zeus. I mean that that's what I'm saying. They had the representation in their media, which is Greek mythology. Well, and that's what and that's what they naturally came out to be. Nobody said anything. Nobody cared. Society went on. Well, first of all, all right, first of all, I think an awful lot of that is strung up out of very shoddy evidence from much of these academics and theorists trying to push this, you could say, um, unorthodox way of seeing the world to the forefront. I don't think the Greeks were near as gay as people make it out to be. Like Alexander the Great was not gay the way people say he was at all. Um, Achilles and Patroclus were not in a gay relationship. That, that was a very common, like it was like, it was like two boys being best friends or something like this. Like there's no, there's not a single mention within the Iliad of them kissing, having sex, none of that type of stuff. You know, like that's not, that's well, just not. They, they sleep together and they sleep on the same, in the same tent and he mourns them as if it's like his wife that died. Well, you know, I mean, like my, my friend had his best friend died and he was pretty fucking sad about it as well. Like it was, uh, it's pretty brutal when you like, I probably have one of your boys. I recommend you watch the video. I linked, you could disagree with it if you want, but I think it, it, it explains. You know what pederastry, you know what pederastry is? I do. Now again, see pederasty is strung up as this sort of idea of like, you know, they, they fuck kids and all this type of stuff. Like you basically, that was like thinking of, do you know how Mike Tyson became a world championship boxer? He had Customato. Customato was this Anglo-Saxon Protestant, and he found Mike when he was 14. This is sort of how pederasty would work. And he pulled Mike in, and he said, I'm going to mentor you to be a world champion. Now, Customato didn't fuck Mike Tyson. And like that's not that just did not happen. Customato dedicated his at the end of his life. This is the last thing he ever did. He died as Mike Tyson became world champion. But he dedicated every waking moment towards investing in him and developing him to turn him into a world champion, completely asexually. There was this just drive to do this. There was a mentor-mentee relationship. And it's, it worked. Mike Tyson became the greatest boxer in the world. This is what pederasty was like. People tried to drum this up, that it was sure, sexualized. I, 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 get it was, I get what you're saying. It was very taboo to sexualize it. Like it was like Plato even mentions it. He was basically like, if you sexualize it, because it's like you send your kid to some rich dude to get to learn play piano or something like this, and he fucking starts touching your kid. That dude's going to get strung up outside the, the house. Like, but they were talking happen. about having but, sex right, using but, the thighs, though. That's That was part of it, too, right? The thigh sex? But, yeah, it, the what? Thigh sex. They didn't go for okay. the butt. The Greeks, the Greeks did not go for the butt. They went for the thighs. I guess they wanted to preserve, you know, they didn't want the reverse kundalini to occur. Well, I know, I know when you read, um, like, Tacitus and... Um, some of those Pliny, Pliny the Elder, some of those people, they, when they they talk about relationships in Rome, and it was, it was if you were the dude giving it, nobody cared. If you were the dude receiving it, then you got pointed at as. Yeah, well, that well that, that was Rome, like that. but the, in Rome, by the way, butts that was about like the one that was a, that was good. I'm, I am talking. I said, I said Tacitus and Pliny <laughs> the Elder are Roman. I'm, I'm talking about Rome. Yeah. It, it is a little bit different than the Greeks, but yeah, yeah. That, that was a thing. I'm not just saying that just to throw examples out and say, look, look, look. What I'm saying is when it, when you get to a point where it, it's not even a thought, it's just, an, it's just a thing people do. I don't think there's necessarily the thing that society is making people do it. I think it's just some people are choosing to do it. You know, most people don't. I think I agree. Well, with all you. Right. I, I agree with you, Steph, that most people aren't doing that. It's just a small percentage, but 
yeah, I'll agree with that. Again, on the Greeks thing, like I, I won't be able to say it any better than the video I linked in the private chat. So I recommend check it out, see what you think of it. And um, it's quite challenging. Like it basically says all that is bunkus, and it has lots of quotes for it. Um, but the but like the general point, I think that I'm stressing. I think you you understand it quite clearly, even though you don't agree. I think um, yeah, the case is made, the case is laid out, and you can make of it what you will from there. All right, yeah. fellas, I think we can I think go I, to super chats. I think we, I think we, oh, yeah. All right, let's go to super chats. And by the way, if you guys, I think are we said what we need, enough for. If you guys and hopefully this is going to be delay, the, it's all, it's all good. no, that's all right. It's all good. This is going to be the start of many more of these appearances. I always love having Uber Boyo on, Gnostic on. You guys are uh, pièce de résistance, as the Italians say. So anyway, without further ado, gentlemen, uh, we're going to go to super chats. But also for all you guys who are watching this, smash that subscribe button like you mean it. Smash that button like you want to press the reset button on civilization and have your waifu in the wheat fields. That's how hard you should smash the subscribe button, the like <laughs> button, knock that bell like the Liberty Bell, you know, ringing liberty for whatever the heck you want to do in life. Uh, may you achieve your goals by hitting the bell, it's going to help psychically achieve the goals in the long run. And last but not least, patreon.com slash break the rules. Become a patron today, and you are going to get a lot of good stuff. I know you like the sneeding and the monkeys and the K-pop that I was posting while <laughs> chat was going on. But I'm going to post another thing right now, which I highly recommend you guys to get into, which is this. Look at these beautiful magnets. These magnets were created by my father, Alexander Polyakov. And they can be yours if you become a $20 patron, patreon.com slash break the rules. If you become a $5 patron, you're going to get a lot of good stuff too. You're going to get priority access on the Patreon-only streams. You're going to get the secret areas of the Discord for really getting to know what exactly BTR is trying to do. And you're also going to get MP3s of the episodes after they come out. And also, if you become a $50 patron, oh boy, you are going to get quite something special. You are going to get a custom magnet, a custom wooden sculpture that my father is going to create for you. It's going to be one of a kind. It's going to be beautiful. Obviously, within limits, we don't want any, you know... I, I think you know where I'm getting to with this. Uh, if you like a certain Austrian painter's uh, styles, uh, think uh, twice. Anyway, uh... Mm -hmm. That just goes to show you that break Holy the rules. <laughs> I'm just giving the warning out in advance, knowing some of the people that may be lurking here. Uh, listen, I welcome all different, you know, Kanye fans, Fuentes, um, uh, the guy we were talking about today. What's his name? Tate. And Tate. I welcome all the people here as long as you respect other people's opinions and having a back and forth dialogue which helps all of us grow this is what break the rules is all about this is what gnostic and uber boy were doing today and there's going to be way more of that and there's going to be even more of that if you support the show if you support the show this thing could actually grow spread its wings live events i'm talking live events in new york city we're going to get all the big people on along with all the anonymous twitter people imagine just having like some five-star u.s general together in the same room or virtually together it doesn't matter with some Twitter anonymous guy with an anime avatar talking about U.S. foreign policy. Break the rules can make that happen. We've already been making that happen by bringing in people like Melissa Chen, Count Dankula, uh, Dennis McKenna, who's the brother of Terrence McKenna, Tony Henchcliffe, 
Break the Rules has brought in a lot of really, really big people together. And this is only the beginning. If we become a Patreon, we are going to be doing that 100%. You're never going to see anything like it in your entire life, what Break the Rules is going to be capable of delivering. So once again, patreon.com slash break the rules. And uh, that's it. Guys, please let us know where we can find you. Uh, my first um, youtube.com slash Gnostic Informant. That's it. Very simple. Or Twitter. Look me up on Twitter. It's fine. At Neil Sunday Fun. Steph. That's it. Um, is that my go? All right, gents. Uh, I, I would actually say if there's any boyos listening here, give give Levin I'll subscribe and check out Neil's uh, channel as well. And uh, anybody who doesn't know me, Uber Boyo on YouTube. I'm actually ripping on TikTok. I'm now bigger on TikTok than I am on YouTube. Would you believe that? So there you go. And also Twitter, Uber Boyo across the board. So check all them out. And I'm going to use that opportunity to plug the Break the Rules TikTok as well. Any of the Boyo fans that are watching this, subscribe to the Break the Rules TikTok. I'm going to be releasing more shorts, more Uber Boyo shorts as well. There's plenty of them in the bag. I think anything Uber Boyo that I look at, it's going to be an instant hit. So I'm anticipating a lot of wonderful shorts to come uh, from that. And uh, yeah, that's it, guys. Thank you for watching. Once the stream is over, you're going to see a link. Be sure to set a reminder this Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern. It's going to be a, a conversation slash debate with counterpoints. And you know him, you love him, Curtis Yarvin, a.k.a. Mencius Moldbuck, coming back second time on BTR, baby. This is what it's all about. So be sure to subscribe, like, bell, subscribe to these great people, and I will see you guys later. Mwah! Good night, everyone.